You have some kind of noise coming from your mic, Chug, like some kind of... Yeah, it's called a dog. He's oh, like yeah. around. I've, I've just spent two hours listening to you guys. He's like, honestly, <laughs> he, so he wants your... escaping and he's been not helping me, but hindering me. And I've just brought him in uh, because he's just been running around like a psycho outside. And now he's running oh, okay. inside and I can see muddy footprints everywhere he's running because apparently I didn't wipe the floors down enough. And I'm just over it. I'm just broken because he destroys the house. He destroys my soul. I love him. I'll never get rid of him. He's amazing, as you can hear. Yeah, now he's decided to make squeaky noise. I'm going to mute mic because that's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah, but anyway. But for sure, like, I think we're, we're like I said, we're, we're early enough in the market um, right now that I think this is sort of the sweet spot, really, where um like if you were wondering hey wait a minute is the bear market over or something like that um odds of that being the case are pretty good and pretty good to the extent that like even if um even if you get a, another dump going in the summer for some reason the odds that you're going to be ahead by end of year are pretty good um you know like the, the interest rates are probably nearly as high as they're likely to go um, you know, a lot of companies and whatnot have reported earnings. They've been pretty good. On the other hand, you have a lot of people in credit card debt and what have you. So like, if you look at the macroeconomic situation, it's somewhat shaky, always, always shaky. Like there's no time where the macroeconomic situation looks perfect, I think. So there's always like, oh, everything's way too pumped and everything's going to crash soon. Or everything has crashed. It's like, oh, but it could crash even more or crash again. And, you know, there's always this talk. Very tough to um, to call it. That's why, like, one of the benefits of continuing to work is if I have income coming all the time, if I want to add some stocks or buy some things, um, and let's say the market does take a dump, what are you going to do about it? Like, at least you have some cash to, to stick into those things. Um, so, yeah, like, ongoing cash flow is an important probably more important than like investing perfectly. Um, investing perfectly can get you lucky sometimes, but um, having constant cash flow from either work or something else can uh, allow you to invest consistently for longer periods of time, which makes it a little bit easier. Um, anyway, let's see what happens. The biggest, the biggest thing I've learned is with the financial side of things, you have to really pay attention to your emotional level. Because, you know, you'll get euphoric and start thinking, oh, I'm going to make it big. And that's when you should be pulling your money out rather than putting more money in. And when you're looking at the chart and feeling down about it and everything else, that's usually your buy signal. So <laughs> that's, what, that's what Ultra, Ultra was like. I've taken my limbic system out and set it on fire or something. Like he said something to that effect <laughs> to kind of get your emotions in check. It's very funny. I've just found a way to laugh at it. Anytime like I lose and like it's losing at my own stupidity, I don't allow myself to feel upset by it because if you do that, you just you cut yourself off from like future prospects. If you've been if you if you've done a dumb thing, just laugh. Find it funny because it's like <laughs> I should have really done that. Fuck it, whatever. Next time, and then like you've laughed about it, you've had fun with it, and that's why your advice about never put more than you can afford to lose in is such an important thing because otherwise you're right it becomes emotional and if you can't laugh at your own tragedy then yeah it's quite it's quite sad it's 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 a horrible experience 
Well, and anytime you're losing something, there's a lesson to be learned there, right? And you can always, there's always another pump. There's always another something down the road, but getting the lesson that you have to learn from it so that you can actually gain money down the line is, is more important. So, you know, just having a loss here and there isn't even that big of a deal. It's just don't, don't put your whole house on, on something and then be homeless later on. So. Well, it's, it's what I've done with um, recently, a recent trade I've done. So I've been holding TRX now for two and a half years. And I just went, fuck it. I'm tired of it. It's not doing much. It's more of a stable coin at this point. I can't be bothered. Its reliance is on USDT. If USDT ever has a problem, Tron value drops by about a, dig- a digit at the very least. Because that's, that's what's obviously pushing its price up right now. So I've just decided to go, fuck it. But it oh, oh my God, my dog. And put it all on XRP. <laughs> what are you doing? And put it all on XRP. Uh, and I'm sitting there looking at TRX's price slowly going up again. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I'm just laughing at it. I got my dad taking the piss out of me in the background laughing at it because he's like, you sure you should have done that? And I went, nope, but fuck it. Let's see what happens. Uh, I've obviously done the same with XLM and Zephyr. And every single time I do it, it pumps for like a day and then it drops back to what I bought it for. And I'm like, <sighs> 10 days, Seppi, 10 days. Uh, and uh, nine now. <laughs> yeah. These consolidations are usually good three to four months. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. It, it, look, even if it goes to zero, I don't give a shit. Like, it, it, this is just fun yeah, at this point. Like, that's, I'm, that's, I'm, correct that's, that's the correct mindset. Exactly. If it goes to zero, I've had fun. I've done a lot of research on the tech that's coming out. I've, you know, met some interesting people like you. And, and like, worst comes to worst, I just get out of the crypto space and go, I tried. Let's wait for the next thing to come through. Like, you know, and jump into <laughs> Yeah, just go to the next thing. It might be 10 to 20 years down the line. and I might be working like a hog for it, but fuck it. It's, it is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's the thing. Like, anytime you're trying to make, like, some sort of, life-changing amount like you're talking about taking like 10k to a million or something like that where people really have a material impact on their uh, sort of like immediate surroundings um because that affects their living conditions that affects maybe like what type of job they might want to do and stuff like this once you get into those truly life-changing amounts then it's like it's uh the only way to do that is really with a fairly high amount um of risk on the risk because the thing only things that with very high risk are going to do like 100x's and 1000x's so would you believe that i only need 150 grand now in my life and i'm set for life like that's it that's all i need out of all my investments i've got a few grand in there with me and my dad we've done our research we're just going to sit on it and see what happens and the minute i can pull it out to make that 150 grand i'm out i'm done fuck crypto till the next bull cycle like it's- the thing so so let's say one were to you know make a mill for example um you could just take like 50,000 of that, set it aside and go, I'm going to buy, um, you know, $1,000 of every market cap, every coin that I can in the um, like micro cap area yep. that seems to have any kind of narrative. And I'm going to do that at the bottom of the next bear market. How do you know where the next bear market bottom is? Well, you could probably guess it's like whenever... Mm, Chainlink does its top and it's down about 80%. That's probably where the bottom is. Or when ETH next time goes to its top and drops 70%, that's probably where the bottom is. 
or whatever, right? So the bottoms are getting higher on these high market cap coins. So you have to sort of estimate and go, okay, I think that's about the bottom of the market. And at which point, like, you can basically deploy a bunch of micro caps with a small amount of money um, and, like, have many of those things, like 10 to 100x. Um, and uh, a very small amount gets you a long way at that point. Yeah. Uh, no. But you, you, the rest of your capital, you just preserve it on the side. Uh, maybe you leave it uh, earning yield on, in you know money market or in something, and you're good to go. It's that simple. Honestly, like, just put FPF the mortgage, put solar panels on. My monthly bills then become two hundred pounds a month max. Obviously, not including food and stuff like that. And I just work. Like I'm happy to work. I don't have a problem with working. Like I don't know why people bitch and moan about working. It's 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 a purpose in life. And like you know, I don't need to do it. I just choose to do it. Uh, at that point, do you know what I mean? Like it's. But I, I, yeah, that's yeah. it. I mean, I'd obviously have other things coming in. Like, I'd like a few properties so that when I do have my kids, they will get a property each when they hit age, so that they're not struggling. Like, I mean, like legitimately, the number of people that if they're not working, that they are doing some sort of God's work, or they're like, you know, really doing something amazing with their free time. The odds are not very good, unless yeah. like if you don't have a hobby or some shit right now that's like really, really deep, like you're an artist or something or whatever. Like the odds are not very good to acquire this capability just because you got rich. Like it's just not high. I mean, for me, I'd probably dedicate more time to my martial arts. Uh, I definitely, definitely become a skydiving instructor just for fun, and that would be okay. sorted. Like yeah, I'd probably go volunteer any other spare time I had as well. Yeah, so it's like Zephyr needs to hit like fourteen hundred bucks basically for you to do this. Uh, well, no, but other coins as well, uh, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I, I, even no. I sell it, but run for this. <laughs> I, honestly, even if I took ten grand out uh, of Zephyr, so obviously I've I've only got like twenty coins, I think at most, which isn't much, but it's yeah, you know, it's a couple of hundred, and it does a solid bull run. I'm I'm happy with twenty grand. Like you know, <laughs> split it with me and my dad. Uh, we'll go take a little holiday to Japan and uh, drink whiskey on top of Mount Fuji and just relax for like a, a week or so. Like, yeah, so, that'd, that'd be fun. Dog's going scatty for some reason and whining, so I'm going to head off just in case he shits somewhere, even though he's shat twice in the garden and shat four times in a walk. So I don't know where okay. he puts it off. So, yeah. Oh, what are you feeding that <laughs> thing? Jesus Christ. I've just fed him. Yeah, Sophie, I got to drop off too. So. Yeah, sounds good, man. I got to uh, start getting ready for Super Bowl. Let's yeah, hope that's that's get. 1,400 days. That's the promise. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Anyway, if yeah, it's all good. Um, if anyone had any like questions about any charts or stuff that they're following, I can stay on for a little bit longer and uh, cover that. If anyone wants to hop up, ask about anything you want. Um, uh, we talked a lot about a lot of stuff this morning already. Um, the most obvious one is like where uh, Chainlink's going pretty much, and obviously, like it's gotten to twenty bucks today. That's kind of like the obvious winner, um, and it is looking beautiful both on the Link USD chart and the Link Bitcoin chart. Um, so what happened was is that like BTC ran, um, like and so on the Link BTC chart, Link took a dip, and Link just caught up with BTC on that same chart, so it's neutral again. So it's pretty much running the same velocity as BTC now. Um, and I think like what's going to happen is you're going to have a very fast run with Chainlink here in the near future. I don't think, I don't think it's going to hang around the $21 level where there's a fib very, very long. My guesstimation is we go straight to 31, 
maybe just straight to all-time high. Where do I get this theory from? If you look back in uh, July of 2020, um, June, July, uh, Link was right around five bucks. And it took about 306 days to run from $5 to um, to the high at that time, which was 53. So $306. And here, if you take the $5 level, $4.74 is what I have Chainlink at on uh, June 6th. And if you make a box of 308 days and you make that box, you know, the top, the all-time high, um, you basically would go from today, which is February 9th, to all-time high in about uh, April 9th. So really talking about like two months on the nose at this point. Uh, the remainder of February, March, first week of April. Okay, so um, is it going to do that for sure? No. But at the same time, this is off of like a consolidation period where, bit, where, where Chainlink was in the 5 to $10 range for one and a half years. The last time Chainlink did this, it was $5 and it just broke out of a consolidation that was between $5 and $1.40. This is a very different time. So what like I'm saying is, is that like when these things go parabolic, they can go fucking parabolic. Like meaning not only could you hit the, hit the prior high by something as early as April, but the next fib extensions would take chain link to things like 102, 143. I think the chain link to $100 meme is kind of like a reason why you might see a lot of selling at 100 bucks. But the actual fib extension after that is like 143 and then $234. So if it has a ETH 2021 run, which is not uh, incomprehensible, just judging by where ETH was at the time in 2020 and where Chainlink is now, uh, Chainlink had actually a lesser drop from the top than, than Ethereum did, believe it or not. If ETH was like, I think, 95%, this was like 91 or something like that. And um, the next run up, if it does a full-on ETH run, which means like a 5,000% gain from the top or whatever. I, I drew some drawings of this a while back. But I think like 5,000% gain would park us somewhere north of like, um, or more than 5,000. It's like north of $240 for Chainlink. Is that insane? Is it possible? There's YouTubers already calling for that shit too. Like They're like, oh yeah, 250, 250, that's our mark. Um, so there's a bit of like cheerleading for that. So I would say like at the very least 140, which is two fib extensions above the high is feasible. How quickly does that sort of thing happen? Um, usually within a one year time period. So, um, like my guess is if we continue on current trajectory with the beautiful consolidation that we just had, then all time high, um, or so by April, uh, mid April would be reasonable. And then beyond that, you could just keep running because once it breaks all time high, making it to 100 bucks is pretty much a given um, just because it's only a two X from there. And a lot of people don't even hear about coins until they break all time high, believe it or not. So you have like a whole new set of buyers that are sort of like not exactly top buyers, but they expect a new return on investment. So the $50 chain link buyer might not sell until it hits like, you know, 5X or more. And by that point, you're 250 bucks, right? So you get this sort of thing. Go look at Injective's chart or whatever for reference um, to where something like this happens. But like um, uh, these things could move quite quickly. And um, I think anything under the $21 fib 
for Chainlink is still acceptable. So it's at 20 bucks right now. I think it's still an acceptable um, buy. Um, if it takes a dip, can it drop to like 16-ish? Maybe, you know, could it drop to 12 again? Man, that would require quite the deep um, general market retracement for that to happen. It doesn't appear that BTC is going that route. Um, it looks like BTC, it's at 48.3 today. Um, it's FIB level uh is about 50k and um next level up is all-time high at 69 and then after that the first extension is one hundred and three thousand dollars, which makes sense because like mimetically oh bitcoin to 100k that'll sort of start doing the rounds on twitter before too long so i think like um the there's a pretty good probability this is a 2016 style run and we just keep on running unless there's some black swan event or some weird thing but like, I don't know, there's not that many black swans left for BTC. We have ETFs, money's flowing in. The data from those ETFs looks like heavy buying. And the stock market's topped out. So people are going to be like, what the fuck am I do with my NVIDIA gains or whatever? And they're like, oh, dump it into BTC. Why not? Because like, um, it's looking like it's going to go up. So, um, so there's definitely like a lot of room and cash available for cycling into crypto at this point. I'm happy with that. And I think we have a maybe solid year for 2016. Um, I'm sorry, like, like 2016, we have that type of um, situation without a Black Swan event, hopefully. Um, and um, yeah, in, in that context, I think um, Link by summer could actually see its full rally. If you remember back in 2019, 2020, like the like what happened was back in I think August of 2020 is when Chainlink first hit 20 bucks back in the day. And at that time, that was notably like DeFi summer, like everything DeFi was pumping and we, we every, and that's what it was called, DeFi summer. And Chainlink sort of brought that about. So if we have a repeat of that situation, wouldn't surprise me if like Chainlink does a giga run, sets off De DeFi summer as it were, um, maybe starts to correct in the summer after it runs up to some ridiculous number, who knows, maybe 100, 100 plus bucks. And then pulls back, and then like the rest of DeFi just goes fucking nuts. Um, I don't know. Does it do all that again? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It could have just been pure coincidence. We all made names for it, like DeFi Summer or whatever. But like some of these things, yeah, do have kind of a mimetic effect eventually. But uh, that's where that term, De term DeFi Summer came from back in the summer of 2020, mostly. Um, and then things kind of ran. And of course, ETH had its giga run at that time. Um, and it was, you know, kind of the famous run. Um, so like, like sort of at that time, ETH was sort of like where you had the highest, highest ROI with the lowest risk compared to like the first cycle of Ethereum. Um, similarly, it appears to me that like link is in that sweet spot with the highest upside, with the lowest relative risk. Um, whereas like, yeah, you could be probably less risky in Ethereum, but your ROI is probably less also. And so you need that sweet spot between like how high you can go and how much you can lose. And um, to me, at least um, for my large bag, where I'm willing to put new cash in, um, Link is that for me this season, where I have like most of my new cash going in. Um, Madman, did you have any comments, thoughts on any, any coins, questions? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask your thoughts on uh, some of the other IBC uh, assets out there, Axelar, Stride. Um, I mean... Right now, like given the state of the market, it's like like what you said before, like you just you know it's like throwing a dart at the board, you know, throw a dart, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what you know, like have you? 
I would think that your ears kind of to the ground, you know, with anything IBC related. Um, and I know you've been um, a huge proponent of CCIP lately. And given the, I have a, I have a little bit of, I do have on the comment of stride. By the way, I pulled up the chart real quick. Um, I do have some stride sitting around, not much, but it did break out from its um, like previous top back in April, where it kind of double topped. Um, from its like October 2022 numbers. So it looks like it's freed in the clear now. Looks like a good choice here, actually, as far as charts sure. concerned. Yep. Got um, now, what about Axelar, given the state of, you know, everything going on with, um, you know, with CCIP? Like, do you see any kind of like, um, like south side pressure? Uh, you know, um, I, figure, I figure people, you know, want, you know, like a uh, bridge risk. And things like that, and since Axelar kind of like founded their, uh, you know, uh, their fundamentals on that kind of concept, um, I, I'm sure you, yeah, you put, you know, you put a heart on my, uh, you know, my post before. It was like, hey, it's like dimension versus, um, you know, versus uh, Andromeda, I think it's called, and then the like, mm -hmm. um, you know, Chainlink versus, <laughs> you know, um, like say Wormhole, for example. But in this case, I'm, you know, I'm arguing Axelar, so I'm like wondering, you know, if it's yeah, let me let me look at Axelar's chart real quick. Um, I think I have to go to Coin Hall to get a good chart. Um, I haven't followed Axelar at all. I've never, I've never owned it. What's that? I was saying my uh, my headset's acting like shit. I was uh, wondering how clear I'm coming in right now. Uh, you're okay. You're okay. Let me pull up Axelar real quick and see. Like what has happened with it? I mean, most coins are probably relatively up. Let me see here, because um, like the altcoin space does heavily track together, as far as correlations concerned. Um, yeah, Axelar's top was uh, like around January or so in its recent rally. Um, its chart looks very similar to the rest of Total Three. Um, I think it first started having price action back in October of 22. Uh, yeah, it looks fine. Um, as far as like, what is your goal for the coin? Would like, let's say it was Axelar. Is your goal for lots of multiples? Is it goal because you're just spreading your money out to make sure you're diversified? You know, everything's going to go up, but you're, you don't really care exactly how much it goes up or like, what's your theory on this one? Like you think it I has would the, say the latter, um, trying to diversify, um, and maybe um, use the because uh, I do what you do uh, typically, you know, um, you know the, the way you divided BTC against uh, total three, you know, I do the same. Um, that's yeah. why I was, that's why I was heavy short on Adam before. How did he, by the way, how's your Adam back going? <laughs> yeah, Adam's still dragging his feet, doing nothing, pretty much. It's like. Um, yeah, like, I was on. Uh, you know I was shorting Adam on, um, you know, using Kava um, as okay. my uh, as my collateral. So if you see that liquidation spike, you know, on the chart, you know, when you buy yeah. the two, like, well, good yeah. for you. Like, well, you, you, <laughs> picked, coming you picked correctly, obviously. Yeah, like my Do like, can, <laughs> I've become like less and less interested in Adam because. Like what irritates me about it is, and that's what I was sort of like passively aggressively sort of tweeting today was like, my feeling is, is that nobody is at bat for Adam as far as attention. And if you believe that like fundamentals matter, okay, that's great. 
and maybe it has some fundamentals, maybe it doesn't, depending on your viewpoint about Adam. But my concern for this bull market more than last is I feel like there's not many people like, you know, at bat for Adam as far as um, sh like shilling it or like saying what the point of it is. There's nobody's incentivized to create YouTube videos about it. It's not a low market cap coin. So no one is going to like post it as some kind of low market cap gem where they're, you know, they bought it at, you know, you know, 50 cents and they're waiting for it to moon. You know, you don't have any of these kind of fundamentals at the moment. And that's my, that's it. But it's a general concern with dino coins too, like things that have been around a bit. Um, you know, are they going to get enough attention to give you the right multiples? Again, like if you were to say like, okay, which is the way more obvious play here? Is it something like Chainlink or Atom? I have to say like, at this point, it's clearly Chainlink for this season. If I had to judge, you know, based on what I know now. Now, I don't know, like maybe the people at Cosmos or whatever have like some shit up their sleeve and they're going to do something amazing. I don't know. It's possible. But like um, at this point, if if it's an attention economy, we're not directing enough attention on Adam for sure. It kind of irritated me, too, that I was like one of the few people that was posting anything about Adam for like, I don't know, two solid years. I'd post a chart maybe once or twice a day say something about it and you got very little retweets and engagement. And so it's like, that pisses you off too. Cause you're like, wait a minute, like, you know, where are the founders and stuff? Why aren't they like, you know, um, why aren't they sort of like mm, pitching their own shit? Like if you think about it, like, okay, do I have as many coins as Ethan Buckman and Jay Kwan? No. So get the fuck to work and start shilling your chain. Right. Like that's kind of my take. If you're a, if you're a, a non-anonymous founder and you are like not somehow like figuring out how to shill your thing directly or indirectly, then like, what are you doing? Like that, that, you know, you think Bitcoin like became Bitcoin by itself without us fucking sitting around shilling it for a, a generation now? Like shit, like how do you think it got there? Like, you know, so the people that like, you know, are anti-shiller or anti like web two advertising or viral, whatever, like that's my concern. And it's like a lot of chains face this problem right now, man. Like it's like, just think about how many L1s that you know of and how many of them, like, I'm not saying they're not going to pump. Don't get me wrong. Like everything pumps in a, you know, at some point, but the thing is like, which is going to get you the best multiples um, and who is actually, you know, driving the narratives and who is like, how excited is the community to spread that narrative? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And I, this season, again, part of it's, you get into this rabbit, you get into this like um, echo chamber in Twitter because who you follow has a lot to do with what you perceive as what people care about. Like, for example, if you have Caspa on your timeline and you're following a bunch of Caspa people, you will be both buying Caspa and you'll be impressed by the community activity. Um, I follow enough people that do Adam related things and um, I, I don't see much engagement, for example. Um, and this is going to be a factor for um, Luna as well, for that matter. Like, do you see a lot of community engagement in Luna? Not exactly. Why is that? Um, there's plenty of people that have Luna bags, like invested Luna, but the thing plenty is, plenty of butt hurt people. Yeah, I mean, some of it's butt hurt, but some of it's also they've moved on, moved on, because they've gotten like Kujira airdrops, and their Kujira airdrop has mooned already, and so they're actually doing pretty good using that. So Kujira was like the saving grace for a lot of Terra people in some way. Um, so that's certainly like I got more benefit from like owning Kujira airdrop than I did 
actually the value of my my Terra airdrop is probably worth the same, which is very funny um, for Terra V2 at this moment. So the thing is like um, attention's hard, and if you don't have the attention, developers don't want to come because liquidity is not pouring in. And if liquidity is not pouring in, attention is not coming in, and it's just a vicious cycle. Um, this is why like venture capital oftentimes helps because you can fund the organization, you can fund all the activities. And yeah, we don't like VCs and all that because they're going to dump on us at some point. But guess what? At least they're doing something. Um, so using like I'm not fully opposed to crypto as securities, by the way, you know, where like Chainlink sells their link tokens to to fund the organization in some way. I understand that when I am buying a anything other than BTC, I understanding that I understand that I am paying some of the expenses of that system, whether it's employment uh cost of doing business whatever it is validation whatever right i'm fine with that to an extent so long as i see that that is resulting in attention that's okay right like imagine if you know whatever your chain that you like is spending 100k a month on just brute force advertising right like and there's just like funding youtubers and this and that and the coin price goes up 10x as a result you're like all right fuck it like who cares they spent some of the community pool but what happens instead is people do nothing um, and get get worried that oh what what if we waste the community pool or what if we do this what if we do that and the reality is that you just go nowhere and you don't have time for going nowhere so um, venture capital is about taking risks and community pools for these various blockchain products have to be treated as venture capital but instead as soon as you have like community pools you don't have a great way to distribute that capital um and atom accelerator for example is a way that they've attempted to do that in sort of like funding development and stuff but um but they tend to like the community doesn't want you to take risks with the community pool and if something bad happens and the community pool gets wasted and it gets sold off and it lowers your coin price people get upset so like no matter what you do people get upset in governance and all and i think with um you know like cosmos coins Oddly, you know, you might say like, wait, hold on a second. Like Kujira is not with the proper ethos of crypto. It's not, it's like the, yeah, the validators are somewhat decentralized, but the team is central and the development is central. It's a permission change that's centralized. On top of that, the code is closed source. All of that is like the FUD of like, the, and it's not the central, it's not the decentralization narrative. You might say, well, why do you bother? It's because like, on the one hand, it is centralized, but on the other hand, that team actually builds actual shit. Whereas, like, like, what are you going to do with yet another decentralized chain? And by the way, a lot of the chains aren't decentralized anyway, so it's neither here nor there. And on top of that, they're building shit. Like, if you don't have shit to show for it, like, what, like, what am I buying exactly? Like, why am I buying this thing? So, you know, and and that's the thing. Like, if your coin pumps and it dumps, and you become a bag holder, like, let's say for for some odd reason your coin doesn't pump as much as anything during the bear market and you had like a grotesque opportunity cost loss in a sense, right? Then you're going to say, okay, now I'm a bag holder of this thing. What's going to happen next cycle? Are they going to be able to do something fresh next cycle and by some miracle pull a rabbit out of their ass or whatever? It may or may not happen. This is the problem. And then so the next cycle, no one cares about the coin. And the cycle after that, no one cares about the coin. It just goes in circles. Um, like I think EOS would be an example of like one to look at a chart for. So EOS was like popular when back in 20, um, 2018, forget now, I think it came out in 2018. 
anyway, but like EOS was interesting in that it comes out and it kind of like, you know, like gets to like 15 bucks all time high. It dropped an all time low in 2023 of like 52 cents. It's now at 74 cents. There's originally like a company like that was heading EOS and the development team. I think they sort of gave up and left and it became a quote unquote community chain, whatever that means. And it's like, what is that community going to build? You don't know what they're capable of. You have no idea what kind of research to do. You have have no idea what their kind of business development they have. And if anyone's going to use this coin. So what has it been doing? It's been just bleeding nonstop. Now, like it pumped from 52 cents to 90 cents as kind of like a typical sort of Dynacoin move in this last few months. And now it's sitting at 74 cents. Like, like, I don't know, is, is it one that you would buy? Like, you see my problem? Like, would you buy EOS like, on the promise that maybe it does something? And even if it was going to do something, where's the audience for it? Like, where are all the people talking about EOS now? They don't exist. So these coins can bleed for many, many years. Um, that's what we've learned for sure. And um, like, I worry that, you know, is Adam in that boat? Like, I don't know. Like, maybe. Um, it's saving grace. At least it's used commonly throughout the cosmos. But even then, there are times when I'm like, I just want to move some Atom over to here. And like Osmosis doesn't have an Atom channel to like, you know, other DEXs. Like, so for example, like I want to do, um, like I want to buy something on Conjura with my Atom that happens to be on Osmosis. Or maybe I sold something on Osmo and I sell it and go to Atom. I've got to go back to my Atom wallet and then take from my Atom wallet, go to Kajira. It's weird. Like the user experience doesn't make sense. It doesn't put Atom at the forefront as the money of the cosmos. It's just like in name only. And this is where I have a problem, right? So like- Right. And then it just like adds to your, you know, your conviction for CCIP because you could just, you know, directly- Right. Plot it right once, there instead of waiting for a channel to Exactly. Once you've used- the, Because then you've got the relayers, to, you know, that you need to do it and they're not getting incentivized at the time. Right. And we're not no, even like, I don't think they're getting right layers now. Like not really. So like how is that going to be funded over the long run? So there's definitely some question marks. And yeah, like if you've used um if you've used something like Luna and saw what happened, then you have more conviction in something like Zephyr. If you use something like the Cosmos ecosystem and you're like, wait a minute, we need basically a layer zero transmission protocol. Um, and it has to be funded somehow, and it has to be mimetic and everything else, and we have to be sure every chain is going to want it. CCIP seems to have achieved that at this point, and so that that worries me um, with IBC. It's, and so, like the other thing is like, what are the incentives for lots of other chains to incorporate IBC when, in fact, IBC itself is not a unifying platform. IBC is not a layer zero. You have to open a real relayer channel between each destination. Right. And that's a problem. It'd be different if IBC had a liquidity layer and all you had to do was go, I want to take my Atom from Osmosis. I want to ship it to uh, Kujira and I could just send it straight to wherever I wanted to, anywhere in the cosmos. That would be a cohesive platform. What we have with IBC is not that. Right. It's not that at all. And so, yeah, CCIP is really interesting. If anyone has not actually gone to the, um, like repository of like whatever chain link videos about CCIP. Uh, Sergey Navarov does some stuff and like whatever. Just go to a bunch of YouTube videos on Chainlink uh, for the last few months, uh, going back to like September where the uh, SmartCon happened. And look at what they're doing. And you go, wait a minute, like that experience is not what I have in crypto right now in most of the places that I play. 
I've got to go and do all sorts of nonsense to get one coin to the other place. And it's like, is there anyone actually working on this? The answer is yes. So eventually one person after the other, it's just like early Bitcoin. Like, you know, you realize the white paper is amazing thing. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Like this is game changer. This is, you know, like, you know, you, you will eventually get people that like turn it into a religion. Um, I think what CCIP done is what a lot of teams have been trying to do, but have not, you know, been able to sort of generate the sufficient amount of adoption to make it happen. And right now, like mm, the the harsh reality is Cosmos IBC is not CCIP. It's not as good. And so like, and e even if it was, it doesn't bring uh, any value to the Atom token. That's a separate problem entirely, right? Like that, like if you could make it so that maybe Atom was the universal gas token like Chainlink is, and you could say like, you could convert, you could send anything to anywhere within any Cosmos chain uh, without has without any problem. If that Dex, you know, has a liquidity, you know, uh, pool or whatever, you can send it there and you can exchange it. Um, then I'd be like, all right, cool, sounds good. But that's not what we have today. Like Osmosis could have been that hub, like the true hub of the Cosmos, with a like they create relays to everything. But Osmosis has not created relayers to everywhere. Like. Uh, an example of this would be like the Osmo uh, Juno relayer was busted in that. Like I had like, or no, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, Juno, for example, didn't have like the Huawei chain relayer busted. And I had some stupid meme coin tokens over that. I couldn't move them, which is hilarious. And so that problem would not exist with CCIP. That's not a thing, right? Like the, these weird relayer things where your coins get stranded and shit. That's not a thing. So I think like Chainlink's hit the ball out of the park most likely. Now, again, I could be overcalling this in the sense that I, I don't know all the nuance of the code and the consequence and shit, but like, but I know what I want to see as far as user experience. I know what you want to see as user experience, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about though, Madman? Like when you, when you, you know, when you're, when a newbie comes in to use Kepler and trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Yeah, it's the amount of click of you know the click through that I have to go through in order to, you know, pull off say like an arbitrage trade, it's annoying, you know, and I gotta wait and wait, you know, for the transfers to you know to complete. I mean, time is one thing, but having to go through all the different steps instead of like a simple one click option, you know, it gets kind of a, it gets kind of tedious. Because yeah. you got to keep doing yeah. that and doing that and doing that is, you know, I, I understand the failure of automation, but sometimes you want some things to be automated and a more improved or at least streamlined in a, in a better fashion. Yeah. You know, friction, give me like a more direct frictionless, route. frictionless user experience is really important. And like, if you have the thesis that like you only want to be on one chain, okay, fine. Um, and, and maybe that's okay. Like maybe you love injective or, or you like Luna or you like, um, Whatever. Yeah, since yeah. Uh, since one of 2022, uh, I think I'm gonna diversify. Yeah, and I think like uh, you know one of the benefits of Cosmos is is you have exposure to lots of different styles of project, whether it's Celestia, Dimension, DYDX. I mean, there's there's really good stuff coming to Cosmos. So the bullish case for Adam would be that like you know a dozen more really really powerful chains show up and everyone decides that like Adam needs to be some kind of giga token for this all to work. And, um, you know, you have a consortium that decides that, Hey, wait a minute, we need greater prominence for Adam because we're having issues with cross chain activities of some kind. Right. 
like we want you to build the CCIP and you want it, we want to fuel it with like Atom is the gas token. I think that'd be great. But the thing is like a lot of the chains seem to have their own agenda in mind. You know, the, the I need the SOM token to go up. If it doesn't go up, my validators don't get paid. This is the problem, right? Like there's right. no great yeah. reason to collaborate because everyone wants all the liquidity to flow to their coin because that's how their validators are paid. And if they don't get that, they're all nervous that, you know, well, how do we keep this chain open if we don't have enough money flowing through? Yeah, so it's an interesting... Yeah, wasn't it Canto, I think, that, um, that said they were going to uh, sunset their chain in like April? Yeah, yeah, there are some chains that have sunset for this reason, right? Like there was also that Cerberus chain, remember the meme coin chain? They kind of disappeared as well. So, like, yeah, there, there's definitely wow. there's definitely um, chains that are not making much, where the validators don't make much money, or at least the dot bottom half don't make any money, and it's sort of like it's kind of volunteer work almost, and that's a problem, right? So that that would be the fud for Cosmos if there's anything like the, the, the there's not sufficient amount of like they actually should honestly like a lot of Cosmos should really raise transaction fees. Don't you think? Like they're way too cheap. It doesn't make any sense. Well, for my trades, I appreciate the cheapness. I mean, like maybe, like if you're like maybe but for the you know for the whole yeah like broader scale of things, you know, it yeah, makes rate. sense. Like, let's say you're bot trading, you need lots of transactions. Okay, fine. Maybe your fee rate goes down proportional to the number of like trades that you do. So it actually checks the blockchain and charges you accordingly, right? You get a, a basically a discount for doing lots of trades. That would especially be possible if you had Atom as a universal gas token. Um, that way, like if it's just one trade you're doing, you got a hundred grand, you got to move, and you, know, you pay a dollar or whatever, it's fine, right? Like, but like paying like point zero zero one or whatever. The problem is the validators don't get paid. Validators don't get paid. The network is not really profitable. If it's not profitable, then pray to Jesus it doesn't go to zero some someday, right? And it gets deprecated like Canto. So I think there is a trade off here, and it's like you have to put yourself in the mindset of like. How do you run a business as a chain? Um, and if there were more actual validator fees, you could turn the inflation down so that you're not paying the fees to the validators that way. Because here's the thing, you're paying those validators no matter what the fuck you're doing, right? So if you own the, if you don't care about that particular chain, like let's say you use Osmo for the, the features, but you don't care about the Osmo token, okay, it doesn't matter to you. But it probably matters to one of your Cosmos assets because you probably have some if you're playing in this area. And all of those chains suffer from the same problem is that the, the validator inflationary yield, you're paying for it in the value of the coin price at some level or the other because it's sell pressure at some point. Um, and that was the complaint for Adam too. Remember when the inflationary yield was like 20%. Um, interestingly, after dropping the, the max inflation and... It hasn't really materially impacted coin price directly. I wonder if maybe validators are just simply selling more at them because they want to make the same amount of money that they did before. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure. Well, that doesn't help the price. Yeah, like, it doesn't seem to make made any material effect, at least in the last, what? When did the change happen to the inflation? Was it a few months back? Like, um, it, it must have been already by, like, was it September around that time? I don't remember when that proposal passed to reduce inflation of Adam from like, it was running like 20% and then it dropped to like 14. And so max in, max inflation is 10%. And then if more stakers that show up, the more, the more your yield drops actually, because um, 
the less stakers there are, there are the more yield you get actually. Um, so yeah, yield has been yield has been dropping because the number of stakers has gone up lately. I think it's reaching that sixty five percent level or something. Anyway, it's like I don't know. Uh, and again, like maybe I'm unnecessarily worrying about it too much. It's possible that Adam Moon's no matter what the fuck we say, and you know, because like there's quite a few old coins, Litecoin, Adam, Dogecoin, a variety of things that haven't pumped yet. And if you say to yourself, wait a minute, like if I make a 10x in something and I just want to park it here and get yield for the rest of my life, Adam is a good place to dump it, right? Like, because the yield's pretty good. So, and it's probably not going to zero. So there's, you know, it, it has some store of value function if you buy it low enough. Um, it wasn't Canto, it was Crescent Network. Crescent, that's yeah, that's Crescent. right. I remember going to clear airdrops of Crescent long ago. Um, yeah, Crescent was one of them and what and happened I suppose to, that's why what um, happened to Evmos? Evmos still around i think so i think so i remember um seeing the pump i think in um in october along with the rest of the other coins i was wondering why you know like what the development was with that most that uh you know that spurred interest but it seems to be you know like kind of broad across ibc you know a bunch of uh, different assets you know flip green you figure Mars flip green, Osmosis. Um, oh, yeah. Evmos definitely did run a little bit during that same time. Yeah, I mean, pretty much it ran. Like, Even Juno did Total a flip. 3, when Total 3 runs, everything runs. But also because, remember, like, Evmos is paired with Osmo token. And if Osmo ran, then it runs, right? Because the AMM, how it works. So some of it's just market correlation. But did a lot of people but, run and buy a bunch of Evmos? I'm not so sure about that. But wouldn't that be counter to the concept of uh, current loss? Like if, if Osmo is running, then shouldn't, no, because, you know, shouldn't because what, Osmo runs, what happens is, is that like the AMM, let's say most of the trading is on the AMM and not external. Then what happens is, is that like the Osmo starts to go up. Osmo has to get sold to balance the pool with more Evmos. See, that's how the AMMs work. The impermanent loss mm. is not on the Evmos at that time. The impermanent loss is for the Osmo at that point, if it's the one running, like on centralized exchanges or somewhere. Right. Yeah. Uh, I had a had a brain fart. So it's, but it pulls up. It pulls up the coin that is otherwise weak. Is my point. Like. Yeah, it, it's, it's the one that goes up. That you know that you lose more of because it's being traded. Yeah. Because the, uh, exactly. the pool has to rebalance, right? So that's why. Uh, but I don't know. Like Evmos, like the whole play was, hey, this is like a. We're going to bring, it's going to be EVM compatible. And in fact, that's what it, EVM OS, that's what the name is. EVM compatible. And we're going to be able to bring projects in that otherwise develop on Ethereum. And they're going to like, you know, copy pasta their, their project over here. Um, I'm not really sure what's in the ecosystem now. Like, you know, it, it, does it run? I guess it works. I don't know. Like, let me see if I can find the evmos.org. Like, like, what the fuck does it do now? I'm not even sure. <laughs> like. Let's see. Yeah, I'm like wondering how, you know, like what's the demand for it if we have something like CCIP enabling, you know, users to just, you know, move their assets directly from, you know, an EVM based chain, you know, into the IBC. Like what's the, you know, what's the need to copy pasta if you could just use the original? Yeah, I'm looking to see like what, um, uh, yeah, let, let me kind of see what. I'm going to connect to Evmos real quick and see like what I, number one, do I have any money sitting here that I'm not aware of? It doesn't look like it. 
because um, I claimed some sort of airdrop at some point. I'm looking to see, explore all 85 dApps. 85 of them? Wow, okay. Oh, fuck. What's on here exactly? That's what I'm looking at. Wormhole, Stride, Squid, uh, Axelar, Coinex, BitGet. I'm trying to find if there's an actual useful thing here, some DeFi Llama thing. I don't know. They have a lot of little neat icons in here. I don't know if any of them are useful for anything, but I'm not sure. Man, there's just so many of these ecosystems and like, I don't know who's using all these things. Like, when's the last time you heard of someone talking about Evmos? That, yeah, that's the point. Like, I haven't heard anybody talk about Evmos. Like, the only people that I've heard talk about Evmos were the Evmos teams and the AMAs. But nobody's talked about it. So Evmos, oh, so this like DApps page or whatever they have on their page is like to every possible thing that you can connect to Evmos. Like, for example, you know, there's a there's a like thing to go to MexC or to MetaMask or MintScan. Like these are not any actual products. They're just like places you can buy the token and shit like that. <laughs> like Pith Network and whatever. Um so yeah, I don't I don't see a whole lot in here that you know, some kind of like substantial lending borrowing protocols or whatever. You know, oh, here's a Unidex to trade perpetuals. They have a Yieldmos um, deployment over there. So maybe, let me see what this Unidex thing is. Leverage.unidex.exchange. Um, hmm. Yeah, they have like a little DEX here. You can trade USDC for Bitcoin, Ethereum, Optimism, Arbitrum um xmr adam that's a fair amount of shit in here i don't know like how it works or whatever but it, i don't know so there there's stuff functioning on here oh but you know what but they're trying to have you select another wallet this is unidex is not a um it's not native to um to evmos evmos necessarily i don't think or maybe it's deployed as a Cosmos chain and you just use your MetaMask wallet with it so you don't actually notice you're in Cosmos with it. I think that's what it is. Yeah, like I think this is very much like Evmos is in many ways like uh, Polygon in that sense. Like the end user is an Ethereum user. So it allows you to connect via Optimism. Uh, yeah, in this case, Optimism on Unidex. And it might be that it's, an optimism like optimized series of coins as far as evm compatibility but then like you're not really using the kepler wallet what you're using is basically metamask anyway i just pointed to pull this out just to see if like what is evmos being used for and not only that but let's say something is running on evmos does it bring back value to the evmos token i don't know that's 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 a different question <laughs> like no idea yeah interesting Anyway, now uh, can you articulate the um, the need like for uh, injective? Like, what use case was injective for? Like, what would, what, what problems were they trying to solve? Like, why is that chain in existence to begin? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I never really like. I just figured it was a generic Cosmos chain. I do believe there's some right? uh, nuances to it. Um. I think there was like a bit of a burn mechanism type of idea in it. Um, 
it was backed by Pantera, Binance, Jump, and Mark Cuban. So there you go. So you can understand why it pumped like crazy. Um, but let me see. It had um, something about smart contracts, order books, savings, lending, oracles, blah, blah, blah. I, I think it has, I don't know how much overlap between this and, um, I'm not sure how much overlap between this and a Say Network is out there. But let me see. Customize DeFi solutions, institutions, um, blockchains. Oh, snap. We got Deeves in the house. Shout out to Deeves. What's he been up to? Deeves, you busy or what? <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a while. Let's see if he's he was available. Oh, to man. If, I, if, I, if there's anyone that could talk, you know, tokenomics and fundamentals, you know, yeah. if I, I could shoot the shit against you Seppi. it's thieves yeah i never like investigated injective to me it was just like a fucking i faded it largely like at the bottom of the market so then i'm it, still like, fading it i was i was shocked that it like ripped past all-time high so i bought it at 25 bucks and sold it at like i don't know 48 or something um so i made a like a quick profit on it just to kind of like trade that all-time high break but yeah is it like gonna run like crazy from here or has it seen most of its like price action? I don't know. What's his market cap now, by the way? Let's see here. Hey, Deeves, what's going on, man? Just talking. Howdy, shit. howdy. Well, what are we? What are we talking about? I don't know. Like, do do you happen to know what the uh, the the like killer narrative is for Injective? The Besides killer the narrative. Went, <laughs> yeah. Besides um, the fact the number went up, is there like a a thing that it does that is so special that like you know it's God's gift or whatever? Yeah, I think this is a pretty controversial topic because um, most people I've talked to would agree it's uh, this is more of number go up, new coin good, chart clean <laughs> kind of um, yeah, sure bull market vibe, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like the train you get on because you know it's shiny new and fast. Um, its market cap's like three point one billion. So this was my thesis, Madman. I was like, am I going to add a little bit more to Kajira at $450 million, Or do I gamble on the hype train, which is injective? And what you're basically gambling on is the hype that it's going to continue. Um, you know, how much is this chain worth? Is it saturated at $3 billion? Is it going to go to ridiculous numbers like 10 plus billion? Is it going to pull like a polka dot or some shit, you know? Um, Wait, what did you know. say the market cap of Injective was? It's three point one three now. Billion is it? Billion with with an FDV of three point six. <laughs> That's wild. It's, yeah, it's 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 moved pretty high. So like it because it broke past last year's high, right? Or the the previous all time high. So it's number thirty four and by cap now. So how much juice can you squeeze out of this orange? Is the question right? Like if you bought like if you're buying Injective today. Um, and you were planning on selling it, right? Because you have no idea what it is. You're like, whatever. I'm just going to trade this thing. What would you? What would you sell this thing at? Thirty five bucks now. Three point one billion market cap. Uh, pretty good shill cartel on this one, by the way, as you might imagine with Jump and whoever else fucking with this, right? And remember, there's going to be some like VCs and shits dumping on you at some point if they haven't already. You think like ten bill on this one? Maybe a three X from here or what? I don't know if Madman's talking. Is he trying to talk right now? 
No, no. I was just asking you. No, oh, yeah, I'm pulling okay. You're, right po- you're posing this to me. Um, yeah. I, I mean, if you had to guess, if I, had if to you're guess, gambling, yeah, I, yeah, pure gamble, a pure gamble, like three to five X. Like, I think that's somewhat reasonable in this market. Um, you think it's, you think it's worth getting in this though? I think, I think from, you know, potentially like an airdrop perspective. And I, and I honestly think that's like one of the mm-hmm. reasons why people forget, like they're, it's also fueling a lot of this buy pressure, right? There's a lot of these new assets. Uh, people are trying to not just buy them to get appreciation on them. They're trying to, you know, get the airdrops from the other tokenless protocols on top. You know, same deal with Celestia. So, I mean, I, I like I'm not gonna lie here and sit and act like I didn't buy Injective in like the last few months for the exact same reason. Um, yeah, I'm not, I picked it up at 25, sold it at like I don't know what, like mm, I think I sold it at like. Let me see. Yeah, about $42, I believe. So I felt like that was a good run. And I truly completely missed playing on Injective entirely. And I didn't really get it. I didn't really pay attention. It was purely a breakout trade for me. And now it's like, okay, when I saw that the altcoin space rolling over, I was like, wait a minute. What I don't know is whether altcoins are going to do a one of these deals where we have like the next six months of just dragging their feet. And what the reason why I exited Injective, I was like, you know, I could leave that money longer. I didn't have that much of it. And I could just like ride it to maybe $92, which would be like from this moment a 3X. So like that 10 billion market cap, three FIB extensions, like two FIB extensions above its all-time high. But I was like, here's the other thing though. I remember Chainlink 2020. And like, if you remember Chainlink 2020, what happened is Chainlink's one that ran early. And then the rest of the time just sort of dragged its feet and everyone's like, what the fuck? And so like, if you've made most of your gains already in something, the real question is like, you know, a full on bull market where BTC has broken out, hasn't already happened yet. Which of these things is going to run out of steam faster is the question you have to ask yourself. And usually if it's like the, the original buyers are really up on their buys, like, I mean, if you bought injective at like, I don't know, like there's a pretty good volume bar here at like $2 and 71 cents and then up to like 10 bucks. And, you know, if everyone's ahead, you know, who's going to be selling on you becomes the question. Right. And so, and there's always a seller. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, um, I think like the, like a general way I, I always try to think about too, when I'm like, I guess trying to time investments, so to speak is, um, I generally prescribe to the philosophy that uh, short-term trading is momentum-driven and long-term trading is more mean-reverting. Um, and so I, for anything that I want to hold like longer-term, I, I tend to try to look at things that may be a little bit more contrarian and, and you know, things people aren't talking about. Um, I think you know, objective or injective doesn't really fall into that category right now. Um, yeah, I I mean that's just kind of my general thoughts on it. I, I I'm not saying it's a bad investment. And then to your point too about like people trying to exit once their bags are up, um, that also like just comes down to like market psychology of you know having a fresh chart or not. I I think that if you don't have like historical buy and sell levels from you know a previous bull market, then um, you know depending on the asset it. You may not really and encounter that resistance at all. Does 
injective no, does. No, no, so injective does. Actually, I understand. In I'm just saying. In case, like, it's bullish, though, because in injective's case, it broke above 25, which is a prior high. Sure. Which at least the bullish case there would be like, that's a fairly good, like, multi-year consolidation. And therefore, the price levels below $25 have been tested since 2021. So Yeah, it's in price discovery like, so, again at this point. So yeah, exactly. It's still price discovery. So you could argue that maybe at least with injective, and the reason I bought it at 25 to run the run it up a little, because I felt like, okay, you know, it has a fairly clean chart for a for a coin that's been out since 2021. Like they they hyped the fuck out of this thing, basically. And it they did a good job hyping it. And, and that's like that's the plus side, I would say. But it's not bad right now with this pullback though. Like, you know, I did sell about 42. I'm looking at it like 35 um, is just a little bit above the $25 level. It's probably not bad, but at the same time, it's like, okay, let's say we get to 10 billion market cap on this thing, you know, and then like it's going to have gravity's going to take over. That's a three X. Whereas if I like the reason I went and took all that shit and bought Chainlink at like 12 to 15 bucks is because it can do a three X lickety split with no concern whatsoever right like it has like its chart is so much cleaner so that's kind of what my thought is i'm just like you know when i make some gains in something dump into something with a much cleaner chart right and you know it's it's an easier way to run this game i think so that's why like my gamble for the next six months was essentially chain link very aggressive with it being able to run past prior high and hit numbers like 102 and 143 it's at 20 bucks now so we're talking about really like legitimately a normal bull run bull run for Chainlink, even at this price, would put it at like, you know, a five or six sex nominal would be very, very normal. And then if it pulls an ETH run, then it does giga send at two hundred and thirty-four bucks and, and beyond. Um, which which is also, you know, technically possible with all the shit they're doing. So it's like if I were to ask myself, who has world changing tech and whose chart looks better? Chainlink went on both accounts. It wasn't like the fundamentals were better on one, but the chart was not as good or whatever. It's just this magical moment where at like this level of $20 and below Chainlink was like, holy shit. It's like the magic Valhalla of highest fundamentals and lowest valued um, relative to its competitors or relative to everything else at that market cap. So that was kind of like magic for me. That's why I did that. But I, but I like, my brother had Solana and he picked it up at like 20 bucks. Technically it's my sister-in-law that bought it, but like, um, and it ran up and did a good, you know, good run. But even there it's like, wait a minute, like look at Link's chart, look at Solana's, where's the higher upside. Um, like for Solana to get its prior high, you've got basically from here, like a one and a half X, right. Whereas Chainlink to prior high when i was thinking about it was like limit at least a 3x and so it seemed like the better um the better option having missed the solana run it, that's person. interesting though it seems like the way you approach clean charts is a little bit differently than like other people do so do you prescribe to this whole um like uh new token or, or bust kind of mentality is what i mean because uh, like typically when i think yes. about a new chart i'm talking about like you know, yes. no prior levels. So you do prescribe it. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Like, yeah, prior chart equals bag holder resistance, right? Like, you, so yes, like a brand new chart, like a Zephyr or something, um, 
has like way more straightforward upside because there's not as many sellers on the way up. Um, but what I mean to say is like, if I'm going to pick a coin that's been around, like, sure, like Chain is a good example, that damn thing has to have a, a great mix of fundamentals, hype. It has to literally be able to exceed all of the selling pressure of the Chainlink team. It's got to exceed <laughs> the selling, like the selling pressure of bag holders, you name it. And it's like, so yeah, of the protocols and things that seem like they have that juice, um, as far as dino coins are concerned, it seems like that would be the one. Like if you were to ask me like, okay, Litecoin has a, a really clean chart right now as far as not clean as in like brand new, but like it hasn't run yet. I guess that's the way to say that. Like the ones that haven't run sure. versus a clean chart. But the but take Litecoin as an example. Um, it's at basically like, you know, a higher low essentially and hasn't run at all, really, if you look at its like chart action. And you say, like, if I were to exit out of, like, let's say Chainlink were to 10x this month, it just goes fucking nuts. And I exit. Would I be comfortable moving that into something like Litecoin at its current valuation? Sure. Because you could probably get another 3 to 5x out of that in a full bull run. Even if it's not, like, you know, even if it's not going to, like, maybe, even if it doesn't even top out its prior high, you're going to do quite well. So right? is that how so you plan to approach on... this? Like, a lot of rotations? Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, Mad Men. Were uh, you not, a, not a lot of rotations, but like... No, yeah, that wasn't. <laughs> sorry. Not a lot of rotation. It depends. Like, it depends on what's happening at that time. So, like, if, if six months go by, and let's say, like, my thesis is that the next six months for Link is going to be awesome, is my, my, is my guesstimation. And if that is, in fact, true, that happens the way I, I perceive it, then the question is to me, what do I do with my money? Am I going to sell it? Sure. At like, let's say, it may, let's say I get a hundred and forty dollar link. Do I sell this thing? Do I hold it and pray to Jesus it goes to two forty, um, which probably is you know exuberant to say the least. To try to catch the exact top is probably unnecessary because like, but then what is the opportunity cost? If I'm out at that point and I'm like, okay, there's still some juice left in this market. Maybe there's some stuff that hasn't run or some new coin pops up, and I want to take ten percent of that chain link and i think i can probably 5x that or something somewhere then like what do i get into and then at that point i'm gonna have to find a chart that still has lagged sure by then everything might run though it might be too late right you know how the market correlates as what happens is as numbers go up people take their leverage they take their profits and they're like hey what hasn't run yet and they go dump it into something so in a full-on bull market like Every goddamn thing. You can go down to like bottom 2,000 ranked market caps and they'll 10x and 100x just snap of a finger because there's just money flowing everywhere. It's just like retard energy. So, you know, but then again, if I make a 10x on something like a chain link or 20x or whatever it is, I don't want to take that and then stick that into some ultra high risk thing and it goes to zero or some shit, right? So, like at that point, people are going to be looking and saying, hey, wait a minute, like what, where do I park this? Or maybe another 2x. Because think about it. If you 10x something uh, relatively straightforward and you get a 2x somewhere else, that's a lot easier to do than getting a 20x on a single coin. That's my thesis for the season. Like, like take that, you, you, probably one rotation. And even if it's not with all the money, like you don't take all your money and then dump, you know, all your gains and go and buy something. You just take a small proportion of it and maybe you'll find a gem here and there and you can eke out a little bit of extra gain. That's my game plan. Like, I don't, what, what are you thinking? It's uh, kind of my game plan, too. Um, you know, trying these uh, rotations. Like I was saying before, you know, um, my trading is just raw with 
uh, you know, cross pairs that aren't just typical to like, you know, BTC USD, you know, Link USD. I'm doing, you know, I was just pulling up Link against the injective to see how well it's performing against it. I mean, I don't have any injective, but it would tell me to like, if I had any injective and I had a stake, I'd probably, it'd probably do me better to you know, sell my stake in rewards to, you know, to link and ride that wave up, you know. So, rotation, I got, rotation's my new word of the day, but it's been my, um, it's been my thesis of last year and into this year. So I guess since you guys use that word, you know, I, I, it tells me that I'm on the right path. And, and I don't know that like, you, you know, you're necessarily on like a better path if you rotate. I'm just saying like, you know, is it, is it easier to get like a 5X and then another 5X or is it easier to get a 25X on something, right? Like, and that's the, that's the thing. Because when you start reaching the nosebleed seats or whatever of like any coin, the problem is, is that when a bear market begins, it usually begins with like a 50% dump of your coin within like a matter of weeks. Like, and you won't actually be able to notice that that's going to happen until after it happens. And now you're already down 50% anyway. So like, you know, do you wait to get dumped on becomes the question, I think. Yeah. I don't, well, not rotating may not I'm save not you either. <laughs> rotating may not save you either. Unless correct. you're rotating to stables. Uh, I think that's kind of the devil's advocate point there. Yeah. If the whole market, well, if the whole market dumps, no, it will not save you because even like, even if a chart is wrecked, like let's say you're like, it's Litecoin, it's, it hasn't moved very much. It can drop even from where it is when the whole market dumps. Uh, so yeah, you're correct in that regard. So yeah, you, you, I would contend though, that if everything is going down, then, you know, if, if your thesis is, you know, to rotate, then it will probably be best to rotate and, you know, uh, something as safe as possible outside of, you know, um, jumping straight into stables. If you don't want it to just stay in a crypto. Yeah. Go get some rotation get some and understanding which ones are outperforming that safety. Yeah. <laughs> like and let, let the market cool down and then find a spot and then wait just wait 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 at that point yeah because i was working on my charts back in um 20 you know back in 22 and when i was coding it out i was trying to get an idea about the best time to rotate into bitcoin and by that time i had done that it was already too late it was like the first week of may that i found out that i should be rotating into bitcoin for uh, you know, for my Luna bags, and I was like, "Fuck, I'm way over leveraged. I'm stuck in the six month fucking contract. There's nothing I can fucking do. You know, I should have coded this shit out before I jumped in anything. That's why I would have known which, you know, like how to navigate my risk. But you know, I, I was going to. I figured to stay in the market, you know, see what it gets me. And while I'm doing that, you know, instead of twirling my thumbs, you know, code it out on the, you know, on trading view and get an idea of what things are doing and get a better understanding on that rate of change so that I can get out faster than, you know, than finding out 50% down that, you know, that, oh yeah, it's a bear market. That just, <laughs> yeah, I want to try and track the rate of change to get an idea of like, Hey, there is something brewing right now that no one's talking about. Yeah. One of the, probably one of the reasons I picked up a bunch of Zephyr um, is, and, and, my, and my average right now is probably about, 19 or so it's it's at 1748 at the moment um so it's not a bad buy here by the way if anyone 
is, is looking at it. But like what um, my thesis there was, it's basically a black box in that like I can convert, convert to ZSD and back to Zephyr anytime I want. And it's basically not taxable because like there is no actual ledger. So there's no, there's no actual like something to look at. So anything that can't be demonstrated as taxable isn't taxable. And any more than like contents inside of an ETF is not taxable. Uh, same concept. So basically like there's no like inside the black box. It's just funny money. It's not actually meaningful. So what I would say is like the cool thing there is let's say it moves. Let's, you know, it's a billion dollar market cap, which puts it at like 400 bucks. It's now 17. What I'll do is I'll convert it to ZSD, even though there's like high fees to do so within the wallet. And maybe there's some uh, like not slippage, but you know, there's that moving average um, price to convert. Um, who cares? Because basically I can convert to ZSD and there's not enough liquidity to exit from ZSD, like to tether or something. So what I would do is over time as Zephyr falls, um, like I can just buy back Zephyr and I can convert that at some point because I'll have a lot more coins. I can convert that at some point um, to cash as I see fit. So that creates a lot more versatility because I don't have to worry about any kind of like you know, moving in and out of the thing has no tax consequences, essentially. So therefore, that's a very, very different sort of use case to me. And um, so that's kind of the idea there. So that's that, so in that context, I don't have to worry. And in something like Chainlink or whatever, any bag that I bought recently, I'm going to have like very high long-term capital gains on, which also like can really dig into your gains and if you're buying and selling you have to be careful because if you're at size like let's say you have a i don't know a million dollars and you decide to sell your chain link and and it's up like you know you know it's up a lot you've 10x your money or something and you now sell you know you now are in a complete and if you haven't made a lot of money before by the way you're in a different tax bracket at that point and if it's short-term capital gains at least in america you're paying basically like you know, 35%, you know, or 30, probably 30% tax on that sucker. So you have to be aware that like the amount that you lose to tax is quite high. And if you do something, some wacky shit, like you go and trade into something else and you didn't set aside the money for taxes and then you lose your money on that coin. Now you owe the taxes and you don't have the money to pay for it. So you got to be super careful. Um, yeah. And when we're talking about rotating and shit with large amounts of money, be sure not to fuck around and find out when it comes to like not setting aside your tax money. Otherwise, you're going to be sweating bullets going, wait a minute, Coinbase reports all this shit now or Kraken or whoever. And um, yeah, <laughs> so Don't be careful. Don't even get me started on taxes. I already started this year. It's, it's disgusting. Yeah, Absolutely exactly. Filthy. So, like, fucking disgusting, man. <laughs> it's, it's pretty frustrating. So, but yeah, I, I think like that's why I thought Zephyr was so useful because you can go from Zeph to ZSD in the same wallet in a, in a, uh, in a black box, essentially. There's no actual reporting of anything inside of that black box and that's and that's really useful um so that's kind of an interesting fact of this type of ledger it's just a weird kind of side of that and like i don't need a centralized exchange to do it either and i don't have to worry that let's say my zephyr bag is worth you know giga money i don't have to worry that mexi has enough exit liquidity at that moment that's the beauty of it think about that for a minute like so like zsd is a liability on the balance sheet of the zephyr ecosystem but when you're um, like, you know, you're going to have, there's like, it's going to be very, very over collateralized when Zeph pumps. So you're not going to have a problem with like being able to convert back or anything else. 
So it becomes like a simple way to exit without causing gigantic slippage when you go over to MEXC where they won't have enough liquidity. If you've bought, if you purchased on MEXC like sizable amounts, like I have, like I can paint a candle on this chart, like, you know, just like any kind of 100K buy or something like that will paint a gigantic candle on the chart. Like, so you've got to split buys in, um, in MEXC to something south of like, you know, usually like $5,000 at a time is about what you can buy there. So if you have a gigantic bag and later and you're trying to sell, then you might suffer severe like slippage. Um, you know, if you're trying to just like jeet out your bag or whatever on next So you'd have to get out pretty slowly. And the beauty of being able to convert to, to ZSD in your wallet is you can look at the time and go, wait a minute, like, where's my, um, conversion rate look like what do my fees look like if i do it in the wallet swap it out leave it sitting there and then you can exit very slowly as like there's sufficient exit liquidity on different exchanges and you're not in a rush at that point so that's an interesting like trading dynamic of zephyr that um that nothing else has and by nothing i mean like pretty much nothing has that capability so it's i think people are going to notice this this is why i'm bullish on zephyr hmm. like i think it's like an excellent whale tool if you're smart <laughs> like Hmm. You, you, like it's a weird yeah but um yeah and the other thing too is because it's private you can you can subsequently like there's gonna be a zephyr swap so you can be able to swap your zephyr or zsd out to like mm, something like uh usdt or something like that and you can send it to go spend it directly so travel agencies and gift cards we talked about this it's like a pretty easy thing to just use your um you can stay private while doing that too, by the way, because you can swap using a new wallet. So you just basically swap to a brand new ETH wallet and, um, you know, you take your USDT or whatever it is and you send it off to, there's plenty of places you can use your tether, right? So you can just spend it direct and it's still private, which is cool. The, the, so, my, my knowledge of it is <clears throat> very surface level. So like, it sounds like there's a lot of, I guess, abstraction and like privacy features. Do, do you, are you not worried um, about like, legislation no, the, in that the, regard or now yeah the simple the simple tldr here is it's monero it's a monero fork and what they did was use the um actual coin which is zephyr call it monero for lack of you know it's the same thing basically um and you're using your zephyr as on-chain collateral over collateralizing using the what's called dged protocol and you are like 400 percent over collateralizing a zsd stable coin in the ecosystem so think of it like a luna ust except with that luna be five times the amount of Luna to get one UST. Okay. Um, yeah, the privacy piece. Yeah. Binance just delisted XMR recently. So yes, that is a factor. Um, there are a lot of fringe exchanges out there that have it anyway. They have XMR, they have um, uh, Zephyr. So this bull run, not too much of a concern uh, in terms of like timing and you know problems like that future bull runs yeah maybe but here's the beauty of it because you can convert back to zsd within your wallet i don't need to have a, an exchange actually make it so to speak later on we're going to have like um there's several people talking about this one is chad barriford just tweeted out like would you guys be interested in adding xmr and whatnot to thorchain there's thorchain black which is a decentralized version which is like a privacy sig ring signature enabled um you know, that's how Monero's um, privacy works, ring signatures. It's a um, enabled sort of like anonymous decks that they would produce later. 
or maybe um, I talked to Maya Protocol that they might be able to do it, or um, Zephyr Swap is another one coming out in a month where one of the guys around here um, is actually building a kind of like a direct atomic swap type of idea. So yeah, eventually like, um, yeah, it's going to affect onboarding because you can't onboard if you don't have a lot of exchanges. Right now though, Zeph's market cap was built on basically Mexi, Trade Ogre, and like no KYC and some of these smaller exchanges anyway. And those people don't give a flying fuck. Like, like, you know, like, so it seems like, um, I think the risk would be that like Mex C gets something, you know, happen where it's delisted or whatever, but even Kraken, by the way, it's not illegal technically yet in any like overt sense. Kraken, uh, still sells XMR for example now, and it hasn't removed it. It's in the United States. So, um, yeah. And then for a long time, uh, what's it called? Coinbase had Zcash, but like, and Dash, I don't know if they still do or not, but they used to. You're saying that? Yeah, I thought it was kind of surprising that um, Kraken was uh, selling XMR given the state of affairs in the United States with that nonsense. Yeah, I mean, they, and they haven't, there's no law against owning a privacy token. Um, technically, though, if you're buying it on Kraken, you're already KYC'd. So the source of your coin, um, like the source of your coin is known, whatever, right? So it's a little bit different, but I don't know. It seems like, um, yeah, it's like Kraken has decided to stick with like supporting it basically. But yeah, the Monero community also was wondering like, there may be a lot of manipulation on Binance and a lot of people in the Monero community, I don't know if it's true or not, but they contended that like Binance was like, you know, you know, had like fake Monero. They didn't actually have like enough Monero to support the actual thing. You know, it's like paper Monero on the on the books. And they felt like they were manipulating it by allowing shorts and things, naked shorting and stuff where there's not even actual coin in play. And one of the reasons why this was sort of validated is because when Monero delisted X, I mean, sorry, when Binance delisted XMR last week, what happened is the, like withdrawals were suspended. <laughs> like they didn't have enough Monero for you to withdraw your fucking coins when they suspended trading, which is very funny. So like th th that actually may have been happening. So some of the Monero community, like it's bullish if it's off Binance, fuck them. Um, Cause I'm like, but it is one of the big places where liquidity was available for it. So there's that, but yeah, but these things will still work from a peer to peer perspective, of course, but is there going to be exit liquidity or not? That would be where the FUD comes from as far as like, um, you don't know for sure, right? So, but anyway, that's that's the TLDR here. Um, but yeah, like, do regulations and stuff like change the picture? Possibly, certainly, especially if you want to exit via like a major exchange, that could be a factor. So that's why I'm saying like it's important that the ability to convert to ZSD and then at least trade out of your asset, so you can like, if you want to get out of the volatile asset to the stable one, you can. And then slowly over time, you can exit with your ZSD to from wherever, right? At some point in the future. Because you can convert back from Z ZSD to Zephyr and then convert to whatever you want pretty quick, pretty easily. Word. Yeah. There's different tactics. Um, I was looking to see, yeah, Zcash is still on Coinbase, for example. It's a privacy one, too. Um, I'm not sure how private it is. The Monero people joke about how it's not private enough. <laughs> but uh, there's kind of a funny meme about that. Um, but they don't have uh, XMR there. 
Uh, they used to, though, at some point on, on Coinbase. They removed it at some point. Uh, I'm not sure when. Interesting, anyway. Um, this but that's very deeps. Oh, yeah. I, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I knew absolutely nothing about it. Um, this is totally off topic, but I, I saw yeah, it on a Twitter feed, and um, I was actually listening you know, in a podcast about it, so I'm curious what you, y'all's thoughts on are on it. There's like this interesting phenomenon where we've talked about like clean charts and like psychological effects that they'll have. Uh, but what's really interesting is um, when you have a dino coin, right. And it rebrands under something else. <laughs> hey, you, you uh -huh. know what I'm talking about? Right. And, and yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter what the market cap is prior. It doesn't matter. It yeah. just like, it'll double. And, and a great example of this um, is actually um, beam where beam was merit circle. Yeah, on avalanche right rebrand market cap like i, I want to say it like tripled right and then obviously the result of the price <laughs> yeah someone someone else said the same thing um yeah wabi mentioned this before and he mentioned this regarding uh polygon well that's like, exactly polygon. what i was gonna say like polygon is yeah. so <laughs> hated right now <laughs> just in general but there's this rebranding coming to pol so it i'm just interested to see what happens no financial advice i'm not I'm not saying do anything, but it could be interesting. From a privacy perspective, yeah, I just checked, but Dash is still on Coinbase. Its price is absolutely fucking wrecked, though. Like, it didn't even, like, make much of a move this last, you know, last few months. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like, it sort of became the coin that apparently nobody cares about, um, which is funny. Very fun, Interesting. Um, but, yeah, you were saying poly like Polygon, let me see what it's... What, what what happened to Polygon lately as far as like price action and Nothing. stuff? <laughs> like, like, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm going to open up TradingView here again, but I'm pretty sure. I don't think anything has been priced in theoretically. Okay, wait, that's market cap. Maybe I'm look at I'm on CoinGecko. Um, yeah, it hit a dollar recently. It's 84 cents 84 at the moment. Yeah. In during the bear market, February 2023, it hit a buck 53. So it didn't even pop up to its bear market high, really. No, it, it but, hasn't. Like it had a bump like in October, November when, when most coins did. But it went from it looks like 50 cents to, you know, as high as a dollar. Like you said, now it's back to like 84. So it just seems like, you know, what it seems like it seems like outside of um, outside of Solana. In the high market cap arena, it seems like everything has been just languishing like this. Um, Adam Polygon. It seems like the the like uh, people that were already in crypto over the bear market are like, "Fuck it, I'm going to go gamble on something fresh." Like the Caspas and whatever, like, and all those things kind of ran hard, right? Yep. Um, but anything with these market caps of like five to 10 billion have been by and large languishing if they're old. Like I don't know, there may be some exceptions to that, but. So, so do you think like the, um, if the, the, the crazy thesis will probably not hold true. You think people are going to be like, all right, I, I know this is Matic. <laughs> yeah. It's it, uh -huh. like, I don't care. It's POL. I'm not, I'm not jumping in. Oh, um, I mean, you don't have to make I a prediction. I, I'm just, I'm just I don't curious know. what's going to happen. But, I, but no, but I thought like, but no, but that, but the pump for, the pump for um, like the Matic to Polygon change already happened though back in 
right? That, that was part of the 2021 run, wasn't it? Like, when did that name change happen? I'm not talking about the coin change, but like the 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 name uh, itself like became Polygon. I, I I don't I don't know honestly. I don't know because the coin is still called Matic, isn't it? It is Matic. It is still Matic. Yeah, yeah. The ticker hasn't changed. Right, and the, the chart is obviously the, name, the same. The name Polygon, like when the when the name changes, when everything shot up around that time. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really know. But like, I mean, realistically, so Polygon right now is what like a, you know, eight billion dollar chain or something. Like for that sucker to 10x, I mean, to 80 billion dollars, I mean, holy shit! Like, I guess it's possible, but probably I unlikely. You... I mean, this would be this would be a pure like uh, degen. Like, you're trying to do short term momentum trade. This is not a you know, this is not a contrarian long term investment hold, in my opinion. Like, I I don't think it's fair to even try to make comparisons to Solana at its bottom, but um. Yeah. Well, let's see. Like the last bull run, it ran to Polygon went to what? Let's see. It's all time high was two dollars ninety two cents. It's at eighty four cents now. So that would basically be like just over a three x from here. Yep. So Polygon at that time was worth like thirty bill or something like that. Um, does it do it again? I suppose it could. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but people will look at that number and they'll say, wait, 30 billion. Okay, maybe it goes back to prior high and I get a 3x. Um, there's a lot of these things that like don't seem that enticing at that level. Unless we're just being way too right curved and the crypto <laughs> market cap gets way more fucking gigantic than we imagined, right? That's like true. let's say ETH runs to ETH runs like to, to fifteen thousand or something like that, twenty thousand and or more and um we're like oh shit and like we totally underestimated and right curved all this shit yeah. looking at past performance right and right. We're, we're underestimating the bullishness of this market somehow yeah Maybe, our imagination is limited to you know previous cycles yeah right? that that's that's as far as yeah. it can go <laughs> we can't imagine higher yeah we're, we're just like thinking poor because that's we just thinking last cycle and that's the end of it maybe i don't know there's also like, a lot I of guess, like lunatics on this call so i feel like there's a lot of ptsd <laughs> a lot of ptsd <laughs> yeah being probably so fair market PTSD. So yeah there's this yeah we're fudding polygon when it probably might be the simplest buy oh well we're not the only ones fudding polygon i i mean i'm sorry okay. if there are there are you know what's the other holders. fud by the way what's the other fud like, i mean like what is there? Again, like it's it's almost irresponsible for me to say like things are un, just unconfirmed things. There's just rumors, right? Rumors float around, mm -hmm. and 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 sure. honestly, like I really didn't even prescribe to the FUD, but but I would ask people about it, and they'd be like, "Oh no, no, no don't don't touch that coin." <laughs> okay, um, and I think there were some like firings recently that that was in the news, so that's not really FUD. Uh, a bunch of layoffs, um, but again, like oh really. Yeah, yeah, it was like a week or two ago. But anyways, um, well, I don't want to go on a crusade against any token here because I really Polygon, don't feel that strongly about it. See, the thing about Polygon optimism and Arbitrum is that being ETH layer twos, they're by definition centralized. And by definition, you are heavily investing in the execution cap capability of those teams. Right. It's that simple. Sure. If they create, you know, a bunch of business development things and get, get a bunch of new things on there, then they do well. Um, 
on the other hand, like you have tons of layer ones showing up because you can spin up a Cosmos chain anytime you feel like it. So you have the increasing competition from Cosmos chains, which is cool. Um, if the entire like crypto space explodes because tons of liquidity shows up, obviously everything wins. Um, if that does not happen, it's a PVP environment and some money goes to some shit and not others. This is one of my theses for buying a boatload of Chainlink. It was like, Chainlink has the most credible layer zero with CCIP at this point where people are actually adopting it. And so far, like all these chains we talked about, Polygon, um, Optimism, Arbitrum, GMX, a bunch of different things have actually incorporated already. So it's like, to me, if DeFi wins, Chainlink de facto wins. If DeFi wins, not necessarily every single chain does as well as the other. And on top of that, like the Ethereum layer twos had the problem that when they got really busy, they also slowed down, which is like, and the fees went up, right? So it's like, uh oh, <laughs> like that's a little bit bearish for those in that in my in that regard. I don't know. So it's like if you can spin up a Cosmos chain as a scaling solution, and DYDX is using Cosmos and etc., then do ETH layer twos fully make sense? I don't know. What do you think? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Like the ETH layer twos versus app chain thesis and all that stuff. Any any theories? Mm. I mean, it, it's a good question. I, I think this also all comes down to kind of like, there's like a pretty big social aspect to crypto, uh, regardless of like the tech. Oh yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like on paper, like Hype everything, I, like I, I own chain, like, right. And on paper, like everything and, and I own Cosmos tokens that, that, that much should be obvious. Uh, but you know, on paper, like <laughs> these things all make sense. Um, right. But then the cult <laughs> communities and the social aspects um, sometimes take over. And then there's also a lot of like it, it to the to the point against um, kind of like the di don't go with dino coins thesis. Uh, there's a lot of people that um, are in kind of the opposite camp that believe, you know, these these tokens that are more like historically known and people are comfortable with, these are what actually the normies are going to buy in the next cycle. Right. I like, agree. Cause, cause we, the, you know, I, you know, we are that. all getting excited about like the new stuff because we're experienced, but, um, and, yeah, and, and what are those typically? They're like, e normie hops on their app and just picks whatever's high market caps. Right. Well, so, yeah, oh, exactly. I and and what are more. those? Those are ETH and layer two yeah, EVM chains. Yeah. And Bitcoin. Cause like who in the actual fuck is using Bitcoin cash, but when Bitcoin goes up, Bitcoin cash suddenly gets an attention from the normies. I think in like so, maybe yeah. a very long term play, like, I, yeah, like tech is going to win out. Um, if depending on like projects surviving. Right. But like, I just, you know, are we at, are we there yet where we're going to see a lot of normies like really experiencing and using DeFi? Like, is it abstracted to that level in this bull market? Like, I probably not. Um, this is why, like, if you go through the top 100 and you sort of dig in, you go, wait a minute, like, what's the normie going to buy? I'm like, they're going to buy Chainlink. <laughs> like, cause, sure, like, sure. It's been there. It's like a brand name. Everyone sort of has a sense about it. They're like, oh, it didn't go to zero. Oh, like, you know, you don't, like, you don't have a lot of Sergey FUD. He's a genius and all, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, it has kind of the ingredients this season, I feel like, to do the ETH run. Like, legitimately do that well. Sure. Like the 5,000% off the bottom type number. You know, where you go from like five dollars at the bottom to like five five hundred dollars or something like that. 
to some like that kind of ETH run, like if I try to identify like which coin has that type of oomph to it, you go to Injective and you're like, hey, look, you have you played on Injective at all, by the way? A little bit. Um, like there well, is like Helix and a few chain. other apps. Yeah, there's nothing there that's really to do on that chain. Not really, right? I mean, it's like there's like it's got the pump it's got the hype, but you actually get there. You know, it doesn't have the user experience like the Kajira has, for example. Sure. Right. So, like, you know, I, I think like these things will eventually gravity will catch up to them, and hype will only take people so far. Is my suspicion. Um, but you know, and then like, but at the same time, like a lot of these coins, Injective is one of them, is available like fucking everywhere <laughs> yeah. because they have VC backing yep. it. Like they got it on Coinbase early. They got it on Binance. Done everything now. And it's been around a bit. And so um, Link is like that too. It's ubiquitous. It's on every single exchange you can possibly imagine, including Ethereum-based like bridge platforms. So it's like when, when the crowd shows up, like where do they get the most frictionless experience to go retard energy on that particular coin? And I feel like Link is a good sweet spot here because while it's a dino coin, they have a lot more fundamentals now than they did in 2020, right? Like so from the perspective of like then it was just an oracle thing now it's like an everything thing and the tech is legitimately better than it was then sure yeah and i think it's one you can say where like a lot of dino coins too they they exist just because they've been on top forever um even though their mm -hmm. tech may be outdated by now but like i think with Chainlink, you can't you can't really say that um yeah i mean the the only like the only fud i can think of with Chainlink really that's serious fud would be like okay Chainlink labs or whoever the fuck sells Chainlink um, on a scheduled basis. So that leads to some selling pressure. But that's true of every validator network we've ever used. So there's that. Um, so like, I don't know if it matters. I think like someone did a comparison. It's not really that different from a proof of like proof of stake chain in that respect. But outside of that, it's like, do you feel really bad telling your friends and family to get some Chainlink? Not really. And that's the thing. Like, if you fudge your own bag for a while and you say, wait a minute, like, what do I have the least fud about? It seems like it's that too, to me. So I, I went like full disclosure, I, you weren't here earlier, but I went like guns blazing into buying a fuck ton of chain links. So like my average is about <laughs> So I 12. missed the good part of the space, right? <laughs> my, my average is about 12. Like, you know, I bought some at seven. That's a I, good I, average. average yeah, I bought some, my average is 12 now. And um, because I bought more after I developed a bit more conviction and understood a little bit more about what's going on. But I had a bag from seven I had for the last one and a half years, which is pretty good. So doing fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, but but the point is like, it's not, yeah, I don't want to say that I don't have any, like you're not pumping my bags if you buy it. But my point is like, I bought that much for a reason is what I'm saying. And, and it's like looking at all the dino coins, looking at all the risk profiles, I'm like, huh um what's what's a good like choice here <laughs> you know yeah i actually anyway. think unlocks like it, particularly like with vcs too um everyone has like a bit like a sour taste in their mouth but i i actually think that they're very very overhyped especially when it comes to a bull market which is um you know historically they're they're not that long um unlocks become less and less relevant uh during a bull market mm -hmm. and and the other thing that people don't I listened to it was a couple of different interviews on on VCs and um, one of the, like the unique perspectives that they offered. I think this was a guy from Defiance 
I can't remember who it was, but basically what he was saying was like, you know, look, like everyone's so scared about VCs dumping, but um, they have to put in so much like resources, time, um, effort, and money into identifying tokens uh, that they want to invest in, right? And so to to just like rotate out quickly uh, is usually like a pretty big decision for them. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, there's like more analysis to this on like where their entry is and, yeah. uh, but, but like I, I generally agree, like, speaking, that's like a big deal for them. They're not just like casually, you know, offloading <laughs> a lot agree. of their assets. Um, they have to make a decision like, okay, we're cutting this and moving to something else. So I, I don't know. I just one perspective. Yeah. It's, I, I agree. Like the, the, the securitization, like uh, using tokens of securities and, and all, which is what half of these are, or most of them are. Um, I think is okay as long as like they're they're the way that they look at it as a fiduciary duty to their shareholder in a sense, similar to a stock, right? Like so, if it's uh, take Chainlink as a good example, people fudded Chainlink forever, being like, "Oh, it's not going up because they keep selling." Of course, it wouldn't be going up if they didn't have a bunch of shit built either. So there's like you know there's that trade off. Sure, so who's going to pay for that exactly? Is it going to be done for free? I mean, Chainlink's a gigantic project with a ton of business development shit. And in fact, they just put out a, a tweet that they're going to hire like 80-something more engineers and developers for for um, the traditional finance world to start baking all that shit into everybody's stuff. Um, you know, has anybody else done that? No. So is that bad that they're using some of the coins for that? Maybe. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that are like, huh, at least they're using this, like, if I'm going to be an investor... And they're going to use some of the money I put in to go hire some people. Well, that's part of like, you know, owning a business or owning a stock or whatever. Like some dilution sometimes is necessary. It's fine. So I don't know. Like, I think it's fine as long as they're showing material impact. And I think with Chainlink, I'm comfortable with like, if they're spending money, okay, at least they have something to fucking show for it, right? Like there's a lot of chains that have sure. community pools and whatever other bullshit or a lot of inflation. And they're accomplishing nothing necessarily in this regard. Um, like even if injective were, for example, were to become really, really useful, like how do how do they differentiate themselves from anybody else? Like, like is some is American Airlines going to come and do their frequent flyer program on their chain or what? Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, how, how many of these things are actually materialized into some kind of real world thing? You know, and like how many chains can you spin up just for simply, you know, storing data and you know you know, as far as an immutable ledger is concerned, right? Like you can make infinite numbers of chains, like who's building the product that someone's going to use. And that's my like question. And here's the thing too, like those that build the product that someone's going to use are the ones that like traditional media might report on like uh, a Forbes or whatever, you know? And so like, if you don't see that traditional media reporting, then you won't necessarily see smart money going, huh? I wonder where I can buy, put money in the blockchain space. I got a million bucks I got to spend. Um, it's not, it's not like Joe buying, you know, 50 bucks worth of a coin on their Coinbase app or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, how do you get the big money? And it's like with, and people see world changing tech, I think. All right, gents hate to do it, but, um, I, I didn't even mean to get this sucked in. So you, you, oh, guys, you right. guys sucked me in, <laughs> but it was, oh, fun. it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, no, that, that, thanks for bringing me up. At, at a, it, was, it was overdue, right? I haven't talked to you guys in a while. Um, yeah, been been away a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I was under the impression you don't really do spaces that you just uh, you know just put out good threads. You know, maybe some speed. Oh yeah, the yeah the speed run videos. <laughs> that's 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 the newest thing. Um, 
Yeah, thanks. What's man. a speed run video? What does that mean? Well, no, you've seen like well, it's like a new angle that I'm I'm approaching. You know how you see speed okay. runs like someone's like doing uh, like a Mario Kart speed run or something. You know what I'm talking about? Like video oh, okay, games. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the gimmick is like um, I'm gonna do I'm doing like speed run videos on crypto, uh, primarily right now like tooling and stuff. But I'll probably get more creative and open it up to other things. So yeah. Okay. Huh. All right. Just to kind of like show people how to do things. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Yeah, it's primarily right tool based right now. So next one is is about using like a couple different tools like Dex Screener, DBank, Arkham, um, like how you can at a very surface level uh, find tokens early before you start doing research and all that jazz. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. So it's like kind of like what tools you're using for um, doing your own research. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I'm, I'm having a little fun with it too, throwing in some like memes and stuff in there and um, yeah, trying it, trying to not make it like these really cringy threads you'll see about like, Oh, you know, just follow this one wallet and you will 10 billion X on this token. Right. I'm not, but you're doing, you're doing some of these things. Like, um, are you going to do videos where you like post them on X? Or you're going to use like YouTube or something. Uh, so it's a, it's a combination, right? So I, I have one, okay. I, I swear to God, I'm not trying to turn this into like deeps promo. <laughs> no, it's all right. But, um, no just, uh, I'm posting like little snippets. So like tomorrow I'm posting like 30 seconds, what I thought was like kind of the funniest and most, most grabby part of the video. Uh, and then yeah. below it will be the link to YouTube. Um, so that's kind of how I'm going about doing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause th- there's like rules against like posting the entire content in two place, I think, or some shit like that. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but it's very exploratory stage right now, but I'm having fun with it. So I think that's kind of the point, you know, it's gotta be fun. There's a gigantic increase in Twitter users lately. Um, really? Yeah, like between the Tucker Carlson thing and like, you know, the, the X app becoming uh, like okay. number one app store for a while. So it actually may be pretty good for um, the coming year or two, like especially like election season coming along. It's probably not bad to get um, like, yes, yeah, I bet you like video content stuff is going to get a lot more viewership than you might think on Twitter now than it did before. Yeah, that that was part of my reason. And also just like, I feel like no one's really doing it. Uh, I mean, there are some people doing it, but in the crypto sphere, I, I just don't see a whole lot of people doing it. So um, yeah, do something different. Anyways, cool. yeah, yeah, it's been great, guys. Yeah. I will see Good you day, later. Man. Yep, catch you up later. As a matter of fact, I, um, I thought I did. Try to post uh, one of these's uh, speed runs in the, in the nest. Not sure if it's hook. It's hard for me to look look at video stuff while I'm doing the spaces, but yeah. Is it have you seen it? Is it like he's doing a pretty good job? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he does a good job and you know, pretty much all his content just needs more uh more awareness, engagement. I don't know. Yeah, the deep deepfi stuff. Yeah, the tricky thing is like um in YouTube and whatnot, it's like it, it's hard to create almost like library content where a new user would come in like look at certain things um i don't know like like where does a newbie go to find out more about you know whatever um i feel like like when you go to youtube it's like you're mostly just exposed to like a shit show of information and like it's not really clear what's useful there and what isn't um i don't know um it's basically like uh you show up and it's like okay 
chain link to a thousand dollar video, right? Like those, <laughs> that's, that's the first thing you actually find. And, um, and I think that's, those videos are very attractive to people too. Cause they're like, they want to like, Oh, th- like which coin's going to go to make me a million dollars. And like, um, or if they own a coin, they want to see as many videos as possible pitching that their coin's going to go to a million dollars. Right. Like that's the most common YouTube video. Um, unless you very specifically follow, like, you know, specifically very technical people. And then the weird thing is the bigger those accounts get, the less useful they become because like they don't want to tell you about microcaps and stuff for fear of like pumping them. And legitimately, like if a large YouTube channel talks about a small coin, it will actually pump. So that's the other problem. So like they don't want to do it. And so it's hard to find like gems and things and find any information about them because of these like. Yeah. Um, Did you end up holding, by the way, any dimension? I was going to ask you. I did not. Mm. I did not. Wabi's convinced it's like the next best thing since sliced bread. And he's usually right about these things, by the way. (laughs) So I was like, all right, I'll buy some. And then like it has something to do with, I don't know what it does, but like it has something to do with um, um, like Celestia and this and that. And so I was like, all right, let's get some. I didn't bother to actually figure out what it did. So I, because Wabi said some, I'm like, all right, I'll get some. And um, all I did was double it and sell half and then dump that into Zephyr. And then I took the other half and I just left it there thinking, whatever, maybe I should stake it just to kind of, you know, try to make sure I get some kind of airdrop sort of, I don't know, but I don't really worry about airdrops too much either. Cause I didn't, I don't have that much of it. It's a little bit. And um, <laughs> like, so I, I bought it and I figured like it has a silly FDV, but you know, it's one of these things that it's got enough hype and shit. Could it 10 X? Sure. Why not? I'll leave that little bag there. It's free anyway at this point. And I'll, um, cause I, you know, cause I sold half and I'll just sort of let it ride, see what happens. And if it 10 X or something, they'll decide what to do about it. My theory, but. Gotcha. Yeah. I was looking at it and it seems like it's, you know, it's just too far extended so far. You know, um, I figured wait till it, uh, you know, comes back down and then I'll get myself an entry. Um, yeah, you'd have to. Be, but yeah, um, to, I'm, I'm not trying to chase pumps. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe I am trying to chase pumps. I mean, I, I bought it truly like. <laughs> Just don't want to chase a waterfall. Yeah, I bought it truly like the day it came out. Like it was on osmosis immediately. And I'm like, all right, I get some. So like, I picked it up at like, I don't know, like three bucks or something, three, three fifty maybe. Um, and, you know, I actually hesitated for a minute. I should have got it instantly when I thought about it. It was like $2, I think. But anyway, it's like seven fifty now. It's like already a billion market cap with a seven point five bill um, valuation. Nobody even—I don't even know what this thing does yet. I have no idea if it's worth that money or not. But I figured, like bull run vibes, let's just ride this thing. Um, people are just going to ape into it anyway. Um, but yeah, is it worth aping into now? Probably not. Like a billion dollars? I mean, I don't know maybe it has enough juice to fly i'm not really sure honestly so i like my bag i left it alone it's not that big but i'm not recommending anyone go and buy it at this price though (laughs) it was something that these fdvs and stuff get ridiculous man like these things come out and they they will release these coins at obnoxiously high initial coin prices anyway where like the initial offering will be like at 250 mil or 500 mil you're like wait a minute that thing's not worth that there's no actual users on this thing, you know. You're just hoping that hype will send it, um, which it might. Like that's why I kept it. Yeah. But 
it's it doesn't make like the numbers don't make a lot of sense and that's what i think is going on with like you know with with this one in like with celestia mm-hmm. you know i think everyone's trying to you know trying to incentivize holding on to it when it just released and everyone you know like it's the typical behavior of uh, getting the airdrops. You get your airdrop and you dump it. And it's like, oh, dude. you know, it's like all these different projects are trying to like, if you made, hey, you know, if you hold it, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. If you made a lot on Celestia already, though, like it doesn't make sense to hold it for the airdrops because what will happen is you'll lose, like at, at some point you'll lose the value in the coin and now you're hoping the airdrops will save you or something. It's just, and then the funny thing is, remember when the coin dumps, when Tia dumps or whatever, all of the airdrops will dump with it, right? Price action wise, that's a given. Like, the, and with, that is without exception, right? So you have to be aware that, like, you're you're praying for the airdrops to show up, and that somehow you're going to be able to sell your airdrops in a timely manner before, like, you know, you get fucked over by the whole system. <laughs> and um, it, it's always a a, a game of or. Um, like yeah, it's just a, a a game where you're constantly, um, you know, battling this problem. Even like look at Andromeda's price. Like uh, Andromeda opened up, like its FDV is a four hundred sixty million dollar market cap based on, um, like I think you can get it on a, a no, you can get it on. Uh, um, originally it was on, sh- uh, I think Shade or whatever, not Shade. Um, what's it called? the decks on secret network i forget the name of it now uh yeah shade isn't it shade shade it was on shade and it's also i believe on kujira finn right now but think about this it's got a 500 million market cap almost its trading volume on shade is $174,000 and it's on kujira it's $11,000 right like there is no way in the land of fuck this thing's going to keep its market cap of $460 million. No way. It's got to plummet, right? Um, and Andromeda, by the way, for anyone who's listening, it's like it just came out like, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago, something like that. Um, January 20th or so, something like that. Anyway, it's it's only unlimited availability on like Shade Protocol, um, which Shade is a DEX on Secret Network, and it's available now on Kujira Finn as well. So if you want it, fine, but like it doesn't look like a good valuation here at all. Just for reference, Zephyr has a market cap of like 50 million with a trading volume 24 hour of like two million dollars a day or something. So so like this is destined to be to dump. And what, what it is is like these projects, they offer their initial coins at way too high of a price almost like a ICO type price or an IPO price. So what they do is projects will wait until the bull market. They will pitch their coin into the bull market thinking that every idiot's going to like ape into the thing. And if they want, they can exit some of their position. And some of those folks will have, yeah, like team tokens, but some of those exact same people will sort of like maybe buy into the coin because they know the price action and what's going to happen. It's like you're an ultimate insider basically. Um, if you own a protocol and uh, these things get like tossed out into the wild at way too high initial coin valuations. And so be super, super careful. Um, another one that that happened with was Levana. They tossed their coin out into like osmosis initially. And um, they 
Bitcoin like was at about 82 cents or a dollar or something initially. And um, like if you bought it at that price um, right now, the fully diluted valuation is 187 million. Market cap is only 7 million. So most of the coins is not even in the circulation. Um, and what they did was they made a mistake and they, um, you know, put it on like, what's it called? MEXC for much lower price. And what happened is market makers arbed it and wrecked the people on osmosis like myself. And like, I bought the thing much higher than this and the price got wrecked. So, you know, if you're not used to buying new coins on ecosystems, uh, or new chains, um, I would say be careful is like an understatement. Like you like if you find a coin is interesting, you're like, ooh, maybe I should get some of this. Get like 10 bucks of it. I mean, get like a dollar of it. I kid you not. And just watch the price. Because most of the initial coins are priced way too high. And like the vast majority of coins in crypto will um do maybe an immediate pump when they first release and then dump. Or start out high and then just straight dump, which means like you just blew your wallet on nothing, on just you know vapor, and um, yeah, like like Levan is a good example. Is it a good price now? Maybe, I don't know. It's only got like seven million market cap, and but its FDV is one hundred eighty-seven million. Where's all the rest of these coins? So these are like weird releases and stuff that you know kind of dubious anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's got at least an $876,000 trading volume. So that's not bad. Um, so it might be okay now to get into, but, um, you know, like so many of these things, when they get released, be super careful. And that's where a lot of people make mistakes. They'll go into the bull market thinking, oh yeah, I made a bunch of money. I made a 10 X on whatever. Cause I bought Luna really early or something or like, you know, Chainlink really early, whatever it is. And then they'll go try to rotate into some of these new things that show up. And remember, during a full-on bull market, most of these new coins are big-time liquidity cash grabs. Like, these are people that, like, if they were legit, they'd wait till the next bear market and then put their coin up for sale. That way, the new user doesn't get fucked. But, like, if, if you've ever been with new coin offerings in a bull market, man, they just pump, they dump right back down, and you get wrecked, um, thinking that, you you know, like, you know, you're going to make off like a million bucks or whatever. Um, yeah, super, be super careful. Um, and if you buy an initial coin offering type product uh, or a new chain or something, like think of those as long-term holds probably for a few years because there is a very high probability you will be a bag holder where the price you buy it at and the price where it goes is like goes lower than what you bought it at. So you're just holding the thing. So um, super careful with those things. <laughs> so a lot of people get wrecked on those big time. Like if you don't know what you're doing with a DAP token, you're like, ooh, uh, so-and-so is releasing a coin or whatever. And you don't know what the fuck's going on. I would be very, very careful. Especially, especially if the coin of the primary coin of that ecosystem, like let's say you're on Injective and there's some new DAP token that emerges. Um, if Injective is down and that new coin is released while the main token of that ecosystem is down, okay, great. Maybe throw a little bit of money in it. But let's say Injective's done a big run and some new coin emerges and um, you go jump into it. Um, if the price of the primary token dumps, the way AMMs work is all the coins tied to that coin will also dump. And for no fault of your own, 
for no fault of that team, what will happen is the liquidity will just like you know go down and basically pull the coin price down because of the way AMMs work. So you're very, very tied. You're you're like a slave of whatever layer one you're on. And those layer ones are a slave of ETH and Bitcoin and larger coins. So like when a market dump happens, you lose a lot of money on these DAP tokens and shit. You gotta be super careful. Um and I would like if you're like, oh, I like the team or whatever, I like their graphics or their website or some shit. I mean, like throw minuscule amounts of money in. And I kid you not, like nine times out of ten, you're better off buying like ten dollars worth versus like throwing in some of your life savings or some bullshit. Like because you'll be you'll get greedy, like, you know, everything will run and you're like, oh, I didn't make enough money in crypto. And like this coin's opening up. I'm going to be early to that fucking thing. But. Early is actually quite tricky because the valuations that these coins come out at are terrible. So what you need to basically do is like you, you want to pretty much talk to someone with some experience and go, wait a minute, would you buy this at this price? Like what's going on here? Do not assume you know what you're fucking doing. <laughs> like, like like the best of us makes mis make mistakes in these sometimes, depending on um, how much we ape into something just for whatever. So um, yeah, super, super careful with new coins. And it's like mid-market is where this starts happening, where people make tons of mistakes because all the scammers and stuff and all the teams, they know that when you have full bull market energy, people are just looking for bullshit to drop their money in. Or they're like rich with their primary ecosystem token, like maybe you're on uh, Kuchu. Yeah, that instant and easy gratification. Yeah, or just you're rich on your, you're, you're rich on certain coins, right? You're like, ooh, I, I'm rich on my Kujira token. And I want to... Like, I want to multiply my gains by buying whatever ecosystem tokens, right? Or you just buy into the Kool-Aid that you're, you love your ecosystem, and so therefore you want to support the dApps or whatever. So you'll, you'll buy some of those things, and you'll just buy them at the very wrong prices based on their, how fairly they're launched. So yeah, watch for dApps and things to be launched fairly, meaning like lock drops and things like that. Um, and uh be very very aware that the odds you're going to buy at the right price or at the bottom are near zero i mean i kid you not like your your buy price on new coins is most likely going to be wrong than than not because the the person who has the asymmetric benefit on those things is the person who actually floats that coin so that that person's going to have all the cards that team or whatever is going to have like all the power and um you know, the odds that they're going to dump on you is pretty high, depending on which, because a lot of people in that market, they don't read the white paper and the fucking vesting schedule or anything else, nor do they confirm any of that. They don't go look at the smart contracts or whatnot. And um, those type of things. So what happens is, is that most people ape into stuff just because. And if you've been here for a number of years, you'll realize that like, a lot of times that does not work well, unless you're very, very cautious how you do it. I, I don't know. More often than not, agree. like more often than have, have you made any great money on like DAP tokens, you know, in the past? Like, is there any you can remember that you did great on? Like, you would probably remember if you had a good one, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm not talking about like layer one chain tokens or something. I'm talking about like, you know, launchpad tokens and DEX tokens and shit like that. I mean, I, I can only speak, you know, Terra Classic related items and all like, that. Did shit you, did you zero, like, so. like, did you like, <laughs> did you like, speaking of Terra Classic, did you like um, Astroport's lock drop at the time? I thought that was not bad. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was a fan of the lock dropped. Um, I was a fan of uh, Kinetics at the time um, yep. and a bunch of the others. Uh, the mechanics behind it, uh, I was sinking my teeth into it at the time, you know, and like working on the tokenomics for Spectrum Protocol back at the, you know, back in those days. Yeah, I was really about the nomics and uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, the best launch, I'd say. Man, can I really consider my um my bags here? I, I, I those lock drops were. I some mean, of catapult the best. is a problem. Is fighting the, a good fight right now. The the lock drops and stuff were some. Have of the you best. Uh, tried catapult? Yeah, but like what happened with what, what happened with the lock drops and all that is that like um they were some of the best, but like Terra crashed like not too far after that, so we didn't really get a chance to you know evaluate how the fucking coins would do <laughs> because the ecosystem crashed. That would yeah. Like, that situation was more unique than others, but. But DAP tokens and things, man, like those are the things that if you're going to get them, you'd arguably get them in a bear market. The trouble with getting them in a bear market is like when a bull market actually comes, are people going to buy all those random DAP tokens? And that's the question um, that's harder to answer because people tend to go after the shiny new thing with the most advertisement. They don't necessarily grab the old thing that was sitting there from last season that made it right so even though you get a great like you said attention over fundamentals yeah it's like attention tends to favor over fundamentals and tokenomics and so it's like okay i like there's definitely chains and dap tokens out there shade protocol we just mentioned one like there's probably shade tokens you could get i think it's shd um is that going to run in a bull market i don't know like you know like is anyone going to know about it or or, or, or it's going to do anything i'm not sure um, and we know the people, Carter and like whatever all these people that are that you know on Secret Network and Red and these guys. So we we know these folks, and we're not sure if it's going to run. So even if we were doing it because we're you know buying our friends' tokens or whatever, it's not even like. Well, I think it's also because of the uh, the whole privacy narrative. You know, people are you know they they want to get in, they want to you know run the speculative games, but they don't want to get hit with you know any type of regulation nonsense. So they typically try to steer clear of it until they have uh you know a better broad understanding as to you know what it means if they were to go out of their way to get it and keep it in their portfolio moving forward i think that's what's keeping people from you know uh, jumping into xmr you know jumping into zephyr jumping into you know um secret network altogether you know this you know like looking back at what happened to tornado cash i think you know you know with when OFAC steps in and when, you know, see like the SBC and the treasury talking about stepping in, it's like, you know what, I don't want to get locked in a position where, you know, I buy something that gets removed from all exchanges and I don't have a place to exit out, you know, because people just want to click a button on their exchange. Right. And, you know, buy or sell as opposed to like, yeah, withdraw to a wallet, click this button, you know, deposit into this and then, you know, like swap and, you know, adjust slippage and, you know, deal with all of that extra stuff, you know, in a decentralized exchange. Like, yeah, it's for that, sure, for you know, sure. On it's that friction. On and off you know, ramps friction matter experience a lot. That we're lacking. Yeah, on and off ramps matter a lot for liquidity, obviously. So um, there's no doubt about that. That's that's for sure. Um, and that's the part why I was kind of surprised that Kraken still had XMR, um, you know, still available for U.S. citizens. You know, because I was thinking, you know, to the point that, not a lot of people really want to like hop on a VPN to you know to grab something 
you know, outsource and speculative run. Yeah, they'd rather just stay with something the, safe. The, like what coin on the exchange? There's privacy coins actually both on there and on Coinbase. Still, I just checked. Dash and Zcash are still on. Um, are still on uh, Coinbase too. I think it's uh, it's not against the law to have them. It's like. Technically, as long as all you're doing is going just against to, a lot of use them. <laughs> no, if you if you're no if you're on there and you have KYC through through Coinbase or Kraken and you buy yourself some of these tokens, um, I don't think anyone cares necessarily. Like that's there's no actual law against it at the moment. Um, but then, like you have like you know, like privacy aside, is you know, like think about all the, the you know all the power chains on Polkadot, for example. You know, um, I don't. Only, I don't think there's really any that's like directly available to U.S. Uh, you know, U.S. citizens. Oh, you mean like? And when like I try to talk to somebody, um, like Karura, um, which I think was part of a uh, um, uh, Kusama's uh, network. I mean, that was like a you know that was the power chain for Polkadot. Um, Akala, you, you can buy um, Kusama on Coinbase right now. I just I'm just looking at it right now. Uh, you know what? I think they just launched on Coinbase last year. Oh, really? But yeah, but all of the other, you know, the child tokens, um, you know, within that uh, network, you know, you can't really touch it. Uh, you have to like hop on a VPN, you know, get onto another exchange and then, uh, you know, get your, get your hands on it or effectively, you know, take your, you know, KSM tokens to the network, you know, and then swap Co around. Coinbase you know, is like, um, Coinbase you know, is gone. There, but nobody wants to deal with it. Coinbase has gone this route of like, they created this Coinbase wallet approach. And I don't know, like maybe Polkadot shit or whatever is possible in there. So what you would do is like you take um, some cash, you send it over to your wallet. And I don't know if like, you know, are you on Coinbase base or whatever the hell that is? And but I think they have a way to do it like in a semi sort of like decentralized way where you can convert to whatever the fuck you feel like it. It's sort of like their wallet's kind of like MetaMask. Yeah. It's not the same. But my... Um... What I was trying to get at was that they just want to log into Coinbase, click yeah, the buy, normie. the normie sell. does. Yeah, you know they don't. Yeah, they don't want to. You know, the moment you mention like a VPN, like everyone, all my friends, my coworkers, my you know my family members, I, I said, hey, you know, um, you, you should try and you know look into this. And like, do I need a VPN to get it? I'm like, uh, yeah. And they're like, no, I'm not touching it. I'll wait till it you know until it comes out on uh, you know on this exchange. I'm like, and if it doesn't, like, oh well. I'm like, really? There's this money on the table. It's opportunity cost. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's not against the law for you to get it. You know, just get it. You know, hold on to it. See what happens. And it's like, no, nope, I'm just going to wait. I'll wait. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they wait. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the more friction. The rest of my friends, you know, they're waiting for, you know, I don't even know what they're waiting for on Bitcoin, you know, but we see it, you know, just... Each point just, of each point of friction just stick in the tip right now. Yeah, you know? each point of friction uh, leads to like probably a ninety percent drop in possible users or something, or eighty percent something like that. Um, someone had a question: Mubi multi-bit. What do I think about it? Um, I don't. So I know nothing about the actual coin. Mm, it looks like it's an ETH-based coin. Um, I'm just look at the chart for him real quick. Um, yeah, it looks like it, it's kind of new. I'm not sure what it does, but it's like a market cap of 81 mil, fully diluted of 85 mil, a 24-hour trading volume of 17 million, which is 
fucking high for like whatever this is. Um, and it's pulled back. So it just opened up like on CoinGecko. It's price history only goes back to November 20th. Um, and where is it from? It's 77% down from its high. So it's kind of pulled a Zephyr in the sense that like its peak was in, in this case, December 16th. And it's pulled back. Its chart actually looks really good as far as pullbacks are concerned. And with this kind of volume, uh, $17 million in volume, I don't know what kind of wash trading that is, because who the fuck's trading $17 million in multi-bit? Um, I'm not sure what this does. Is it like something amazing or what? I guess the question, let me look at what it is. Multibit.exchange. Mm, the mission of multi-bit bridge is to serve the Bitcoin ecosystem, enable value interoperability in other networks through cross-chain methods, uh, easily transfer BRC20 tokens to other networks. So it's like a bridging thing. Um, hmm. It is the coin itself. Uh, I guess it's on Ethereum, I think. Seems like it. I don't know. This looks pretty good, actually, <laughs> Like as far as like the technicals are concerned. I don't know the first thing about whether or not this is a good project or whatever. But um, if, yeah, if you're listening, hopefully that helps. Uh, it's Knox that was asking this question, I think. Um, I don't know. Chart looks pretty damn good, though, if one was going to buy something. Did you see this thing, Madman? Multi-bit? On, uh, not yet still looking at a movie yeah m-u-b-i the chart pulled back all the way to its like initial breakout level back in december um so it's like retested quite low um but yeah if one were to get into this thing this might be the time given the amount of volume involved I don't know what the capacity of this project is and whether $81 million market cap is too lofty for this or what. I have no comparison whatsoever. I have no basis for understanding what it should be worth. So, but like $17.6 million volume, unless it's wash trading, which is possible, by the way, like um, is a lot of volume for that market cap. Just like Zephyr, for example, is like, one to two million and it's like this and it's a market cap of like 50 or 60 mil so for this to have 17 mil trading volume seems a little bit insane maybe it could be because maybe there's like more bots and shit running on ethereum and so you have more you know more trading volume somehow i'm not really sure how you got how it got so much let's see where it's available it's available on gate Orangex, Bingx, Mexi, BitGet, Woo, Pionex, KuCoin. Ah, it's available on Pionex, which means that there's bot trading going on probably. Um, let me see where the volume's coming from. Yeah, a lot of the volume is coming from gate.io. Uh, 2,765,000 is from gate. BitMart has about 3.7 million of volume. Really? Wow. That's impressive for BitMart. Um, so looking at the kind of exchanges, I would say some of the volumes probably coming from bot trading. Pionex is a bot platform. Uh, Gate.io has a bot platform, which means you can like grid bot um, different assets and even like leverage grid bot them. 
what's super bullish about... I was about, about to get started with those grid bonds until they kicked me off. Yeah, until they kicked us off, yeah. Um, no, but the other thing that's interesting about multi-bit that is really bullish, I would say, is the fact that it's like everywhere already. It's on Uniswap, V3, of course. Um, it's on PancakeSwap. It's on Poloniex, HTX. Um, what else is it on? Ascendex. Um, the places that it's not available yet are, it's not on US exchanges like Coinbase and Kraken and is not on Binance. Short of that, it's on practically everything else, which makes it um, fairly widely available for this market cap, I would say. It's much more widely listed, say, than, for example, than Zephyr is for, at this market cap. So I'm not sure who funded all those listings, but um, yeah, not a bad choice, actually, if I just looked at the chart. I'm wondering how well it could outperform Zephyr this week. How much will this outperform it? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I honestly have no speculative like concept of what the price of this can go to or whatever. Because there's no comparable, right? Because in Zephyr, it's different. It's proof of work. And you have like a Monero comparable. And you have a sense of like the appetite for decentralized stables and stuff. So you, you know, and then that has privacy too. So you have a sense of like what it could go to. With Multibit here, interesting at this price um, and at this volume in particular, I, I, I don't know. It's weird though, like even when it first came out, it was running like four, 10 to 15 mil volume per day, like even in, November, in early November. So there's something weird about the amount of volume. Oh. Yeah. You know what? I'm looking at the, uh, you know, at the chart, like I divided it into two and it seems it, initially looking at Zephyr's chart and then comparing uh, against theirs and then like, you know, uh, dividing against like we were talking about before. It seems like people might have uh, taken their profits from Zephyr into uh, into this token. And like it's like they rotated it. I don't it. know, but it's not on a lot it's of like the a, same exchanges, though. I guess Mexi, it's on Mexi, I suppose. It's, yeah, it's on Mexi. Timing, though, I think the timing was probably just whenever whoever shilled it, probably more than anything. But it's like it topped out, like Zephyr topped out in like what, November, it seems. And it was just like slowly on its way down. Uh, but a decline and it seems like uh this token like topped out in december I mean, and it's like right now the only thing this protocol does is it functions as like a bridge between brc20 to ethereum i'm not sure why you'd want to do this but like that's a thing um i'm looking to see what else it can do yeah just ethereum to btc nft bridge for i'm assuming brc20 tokens and then it's got like a little dashboard here. yeah it's that ordinal narrative yeah, it's it's kind of riding high on the ordinal narrative, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. But there's a farming and swap button. Neither of these are open yet. But yeah, do you happen to know, Stale, what this is? Yeah, so I was actually in on day one in this thing. Um, yeah. I saw whales going in and uh, on Uniswap. And, you know, I just like, I saw mass. And, and I, I just hopped in and I think I got almost like a 20x. Um, but I, I didn't cash out. I, I cashed out like on way down, but uh, st it was still a good return for me. So I think they partnered with DWF Labs, uh, if I'm not mistaken, early on. And there was just a, it was like the first, one of the first like real projects to launch on 
a launch pad. Uh, I think it's it was a, a turtle. It was like a turtle swap kind of launch pad. Um, and and so like the launch pad was new on BRC twenty, and it was getting uh, like kind of venture venture capitalist uh, partnership. Uh, I think DWF Labs, and and it just had a really strong launch. And then um, there was a whale in there called. I think it was called Mupi King, M-U-P-I King. Mm-hmm. And I think he had over a million dollars in the thing. And then he he was the one that recently sold. Uh, you know, he had I think he had like 20 grand sales at the time in the last day or two. Mm. Um, and I think he sold over 400K worth. So now in terms of like the actual product, yeah, it's a BRC20 to ETH bridge. Uh, I think they implemented a Solana and being Binance Smart Chain bridge as well. And like Sevy said, you know, it, but I what's the point of the token? No, the only, Is there a point to the token? Right. Whatever. Well, so so they so the utility behind the token um, is mostly staking. It's not like there's not like proof of work involved. It's mostly staking. So the stake for uh, what? Like, what's the point? Like for yeah. So if you guys heard of Satoshi VM launch, how how strong that was. Uh, and then there was some fud around that, but mm. so you stake it on the on the platform, and they they you could get rewards in uh, BSSB, which is a stable on Bitcoin, uh, I think. And then there's also there's also tokens like AMMX, which are mostly centered around like liquidity providing and uh, and you know stable coins, and and also the layer two, the Satoshi VM launch. So you could get all those rewards if you staked on Multibit. Uh, staking movie token. In your, so in your mind, like, the in, in your mind, uh, but like, wh- why? Wh- like, is it just riding the BRC twenty like hype cycle? And is like, it seems like it so, doesn't have a lot yeah. of actual use. But like, the volume's super high, and if they listed on so many exchanges at once, they probably had some VCs or some shit behind them. Yes, yes, I think very. Like I mentioned, I saw like the only reason why I jumped to it day one was because I saw these huge buys come in like almost instantly as soon mm. as it launched. Okay. So I think it is, it was originally like the, it's kind of almost the first narrative, you know, the first big bridge. And, and I think it was just really strong. Now the devs are, they're always releasing features and stuff, but I, the one, the one problem I had with it recently was not only the fact that it's going down, um, it's, it's, it was really just like the, you know, the amount of interviews they've had, like, which pretty much no, nothing on spaces, nothing on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They have good marketing, you know, in terms of like good updates, but nothing that's like kind of like really huge, you know, and, and I was kind of worried they're losing momentum, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that you say in the, the chart is strong, it kind of, I'm going to be, Keeping an eye on it, maybe I'll jump back in at some point. Chart strong the, meaning, the, the, like the chart strong meaning, it wasn't a straight up and down, which would be like a pure pump and dump. There appear to be like some accumulation along the way because it has kind of like this, you know, it's like more diagonal shaped, you know, like drop in price. Um, it's, but by what I mean by like technicals here is that the volume is high relative to its market cap and the, uh, which it's a very high volume for a market cap of this size, um, like something like a quarter of its or fifth of its, you know, supply is being traded every day or something at the moment, which is interesting. And it's listed everywhere. So someone either paid a lot for that or believes in this thing or something. And then, uh, but, uh, but at the same time, like, I don't know, these things can drag down to God knows what price. 
And they're very reliant, it sounds like, on the BRC20 narrative like playing out and people like running this up for another pump. Well, the other issue is um, that I saw with with this kind of like bridge is like, what do you compare it to? You know, because there's a lot of like the uh, DEXs that are coming out and, um, you know, big project like swaps and DEXs and liquidity uh, AMMs and stuff. They have their own bridges. So everyone has a bridge these days, you know, so. Well, well the obvious like, thing you'd compare it to would be bridges that don't have any token at all. Like, why does this thing need a token is my first question. So it seems to me like this is one of those tokens looking for a function in the sense that like the main function is number go up. And that's like the core reason. So that's the caution here is that like at this market cap, is it still kind of like rational? It may not be because a lot of times when they first release these things, like do you remember what you pay, what the market cap was when you got into it? Like was it? Sub five. I I think I got I got like almost a twenty x. So I I mean it was like under it was under twenty million. I think it was around eighteen million is when I uh, went in heavy. Okay, fair. Um, but it might have been even earlier, twelve to eighteen million. See, I think at those levels, something like this is an acceptable gamble. Um, at this level, where it is now at like eighty million market cap, man, like that volume volume is interesting, and it suggests to me that people care about this thing. But, like, does this have a 5x in the tank from 81 million? And that's a sustainable thing where you can sell at that level? That's a whole other th- question, right? Like, it's like, because uh, you'd basically be talking about like a half a billion market cap for something that does virtually nothing. I think people should be very yeah, careful with something like this. Like, if you're going to bother with. I think if you're thinking, right. Yeah. I think if you're thinking about this kind of bridge, you might as well be. Th- you you're probably safer, which is what I'm working on. Is just like, what is the next L two on Bitcoin? You know, it's maybe not an EVM. I mean, a lot of them are now EVMs and stuff. So, what's the you know the next narrative is really L two on on Bitcoin. So, to me, it's like more stronger than you know than me holding on to Mubi. I was a big proponent of Mubi, but yeah, I think L twos on Bitcoin is a better play. Yeah, like it doesn't blow me away that like oh yeah, I like fundamentally I want to own it. Technically, maybe, but like its market cap is still too high, probably. Um, I, my suspicion is as it keeps going down, it's going to bleed more. Um, like, I think it could definitely bleed like a 95% down or some other number like that. It wouldn't surprise me at all because it doesn't have a pure purpose. Like, Zephyr is a little bit different. Like, there comes a point after which, if it drops a certain level, you you get benefit by converting to ZRS tokens and blah, blah, blah. There's like a floor price that sort of emerges from its functionality and its utility. Whereas with the Moby thing, it's like there currently is no purpose for the coin, which means retracements that look like 95 to 99% would be not uncommon at all. Um, And then the question becomes like, is there enough excitement in this thing to have it pump again a second time and oftentimes the answer is no, because you no longer have a clean chart. You basically have a bunch of bag holders that bought various levels, and they're going to dump on you as you buy, and they're not going to like. So I don't know. Like the way to describe this is um, the way uh, the easy framework in crypto for everyone to remember is the bottom is created by utility, the top is created by hype, and then to break the prior high, meaning have a, a new higher low or a higher high in the future requires another like you know ongoing utility and even more hype than before 
and to 10x the number of users are going to buy this coin, right? Because like the first time it pumps, it's because the market's relatively illiquid and you can make the market go do wacky ass shit like do 100x's and whatever. The second time as market depth and liquidity and bag holders show up, it's much, much harder to move the coin to that same high the next time. And so the ROI, um, the pumpamentals decline unless you believe there's a gargantuan increase in new potential users that are going to buy your bags going forward. And that's where the trick comes in. Most of these types of DEX tokens, bridge tokens, um, I don't know, like whatever, these things generally don't perform well a second time. So if you got lucky and you knew about it right at the beginning, like more power to you, you know, like awesome. <laughs> but at the same time, the Knox's question is like, would you get this now? I don't know. I wouldn't like, and even if I did, it'd be like really, really small personally. Yeah. Same based on my math, I would probably hop in and like get out for a quick, you know, you know, for a quick gain, but I probably wouldn't try to ride this without Howard. Not yet. Yeah. Least. Yeah. I mean, it, it like could it, have it like more BRC20 popularity. It could, it could do another little run, right? Like if it pulls back far enough, but like, what's the magic number? One thing you could do is now that the coin has retraced like 75%, divide up the re remaining amount of price action by like tenths, you know, like 10%, 20% down from current price and then scale in exponentially. So start with a dollar, like as a placeholder, you know, then put in like 10, you know, then no, I'm sorry, then put in two, then put in four, eight, 16, um, or multiples of three, like one, three, nine, 27, and basically scale in for every 10% you go down, catch the bottom, and then wait. And so you, you're going to catch the bottom because you're scaling in literally to the bottom. Um, and if you believe it, something's not going to go to absolute zero. And that's the problem with exponential scaling, though. If you don't, if you're not sure this can't go to zero or not, then you, you're, you're going to basically like expend a lot of capital at the bottom, but preemptively figure out what your allocation is going to be. So like, I'm not going to spend more than a hundred bucks on this thing, a thousand bucks on this thing, and then just scale in accordingly and do not go and spend any more money than you had previously decided for yourself to blow on whatever it is. And then like control your risk that way. Exponential buy-in so that you're scaling in, buying the very bottom with the most money. And two, don't allocate more than you can afford to lose and go to zero. And that's the kind of way to handle these uh, generally. So I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, just judging by the chart, I would probably pass personally, but not because, and, and not, not by the chart, by the fundamentals, I'd probably pass because it doesn't seem like anything but a hype narrative type of thing. And there's so many of these things and you're like, oh, but it made it to, you know, 30, you know, $300 billion market cap. But what, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, $300 million market cap. Why can't it do it again? I'm not saying it can't, but man, a lot of these kinds of bridges, DEX tokens, and all of this shit has got so many people wrecked over the last five years. I can't even count like 95% of people or more are losing money on those type of plays. So it's truly like, it's absolutely gambling on those for sure. So I think Stale did the right thing that if you're going to ape into the fucking thing, ape in when it first comes out, very beginning, no questions asked like I did with Dimension and just buy some with the intent that if it doubles or whatever it is, you're going to sell it and get out, right? And that's, that's the game when it comes to those kinds of uh, tokens. Um, and you know, the people that produce those tokens 
they know full fucking well that their token's not necessary. They know full well that they're hoping that you're going to come and pump their bag. Um, and that has no purpose or function within the ecosystem of any serious relevance, right? So to say that like you're being unfair to the crypto space by speculating on these things, um, you're speculating on the hype of it being able to pump your bag. You're, you're like, you, you know, but don't like marry that bag for sure. Those are not the types that you marry, <laughs> like even if you're going to be really, really convicted. Um, it's just these are the ones you just play in for fun, I think, personally. Um, and I could be totally wrong. I could be that maybe it's the greatest fucking thing since sliced bread. It's going to go moon and I'm an idiot. It's quite possible. Um, but more often than not with these types of things, uh, DEXs and such, A, don't really need tokens. And vast majority of DEX and bridge tokens and whatever, they perform poorly. I would say probably, oh, like 99% of them perform poorly. So if you guess wrong, you just simply have a bag that goes down. Um, so, like, so stale is like the exception here, having won the Dex game or bridge game or whatever. And, uh, that doesn't mean you can keep doing it over and over again. Um, he did the, he did it right, obviously. Yeah. It was one of my big successes. I've had hundreds of failures. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. By, I'm still, yeah. still so, have a lot to work on. Yeah, exactly. So don't like, it's like, oh no, I'm a genius. Yeah. Like I bought dimension it, like whatever valuation it came out. Cause I knew that it was going to be hyped. Like, but at the same time, was the, did the valuation make any fucking sense? Of course not. These are all irrational. But because I 2X'd it and sold half of it, I'm like, all right, whatever. Who cares? I'll just leave it there. And if it, people hype it and pump it more, great. If it doesn't, who cares? That was my theory, theory behind it. But like, you don't, like, I didn't buy it. I knew it buying full well that was, it was being, it was overvalued at launch. Um, and a lot of these things are, guys. Like, you go into a bull market, when people say something's fair launched, like uh, where there's not a gigantic team allocation, there's not a gigantic, you know, allocation to like, you know, pre-mines or, you know, like 90% of tokens are owned by the team or some shit. There's not that many great launches, honestly. Like most tokens, uh, the reason why they're like blocking them to US users is because they're basically de facto securities. And they are heavily team tokens, and they're going to sell on you at some point in the future. They don't want to get in trouble with the law in the U.S. They 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 don't list it in the U.S. And then, uh, but like they have really really terrible investor fundamentals. And if you bought it exactly at the right time, you're cool. But if you buy it like at the wrong moment, like you're just being a bag holder for some um, for some team that wants to sell on you. Um, and I'm not totally against team selling. I don't, that's not what I'm saying, but like, there's definitely some projects that are much better. Um, like distribution of team allocation than others. Anyway, Kareem. Yeah. Yeah. Sefi, um, where did you just mention it? I just misheard, but where, where would you get dimension? Like what's the easiest way to get it? Uh, we, uh, it's on osmosis, okay. but, um, got it. cool. Like, is it a good, is it a good price to buy it now? That's a whole nother, yeah, uh, I was just talking a little bit about this. <laughs> like, no, no, I was just on the space with Wabi about it, and I forgot to ask him, and he was pumping it. So I was just curious. Um, yeah, Wabi bought it, so of course he's going to pump it. I get it. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I understand. <laughs> I understand what he's doing, um, and I think it will. It very well could go up in value. I mean, it currently has a um, market cap of like one point one billion though already, and it is on relatively low um, low float. And uh, it has a very high FDV. Like its FDV is already like 10 billion. 
So you're relying on pure hype and that a bunch of retards are going to come buy this thing. That's why I kept half of my bag. I two X it within a day. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm out with like, <laughs> anytime you make two X in a day, um, like exit gracefully sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of those, especially when FD is so high. So here's the thing that I mentioned. It's like, okay, do you wait till it bleeds, you know, 50% from here? You get it at like three-ish dollars. Then it's at least a 500 million market cap. You know, it's a legit project, so it could do really well. But is it a billion already kind of overvalued? Probably. Um, yeah. I was going to... So, so get it if you get lucky. Don't don't yeah. get it just because you feel like you have to or some shit. Yeah, 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 for sure. I was going to also ask... Um, with... So... UST Luna was actually, uh, you know, like a full fledged layer one, but I'm curious, like if we could re-architect UST today with all of this, like modular blockchain stuff and, you know, using like Celestia for data availability, Ethereum for securing the network, like would that have actually no help algorithmic stablecoin now or still irrelevant? No. What, so there's a couple of texts that text that I think would have helped it. One is you need on-chain proof-of-work collateral. So Zephyr solves that. Um, that was missing because Luna was not proof-of-work. It was just like printed out of thin air. So And there's a lot of team tokens as well. So the whole We talked about this earlier today. Like the, 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 the Terra ecosystem had its issues. Zephyr basically solves most of those. Um, if you were to say, like, what is Zephyr missing? It doesn't have smart contracts. So the problem is you can't build on like a... It's easy. It's not easy to build in like some kind of dex or bridge or something to other chains. Uh, you have to like create a separate project for that. Um, you uh, so data availability, and whatnot, is not would not be my concern. If it was like if you were back to square one and you were building a brand new sort of stablecoin like Luna UST, you'd probably build it on the Chainlink CCIP system. And the reason you would do this is that like the only way that this the, the, the Stablecoin would be distributed anywhere in the world would be via CCIP. So you have a very, very specific like way for the algorithmic system to connect to every single coin in the universe that where it lives. Whereas right now, the problem is, is that like, well, not right now, but in the Luna UST system, what happened is, is that UST got transmitted to all sorts of exchanges, but it wasn't able to like, there's no way to keep track of what was where and, and, you know, like, who is shorting it and whatever else. I, you'd have to have a much more cohesive uh, layer zero to, to send coins out to other ecosystems. There was like UST bridge to Ethereum, for example. That's bullshit. So the bridges got all fucked up. Wrapped Luna got all fucked up. Wrapped UST got fucked up. The whole thing was a mess. So like CCIP with Chainlink solves a lot of that problem for cross-chain products like NFTs or, or even like something like a UST. So yeah, it's not it's not so much a, a modularity blockchain problem. It's the other way around. It's like you need an asset that every blockchain connects to. And the only layer zero type protocol that appears to be um capable of reaching mass adoption at this point is Chainlink CCIP. That's why I'm so bullish on Link compared to a lot of other chains this season. I think like most people don't understand what link does i don't think anyone understands what ccip does most people in DeFi and whatever who even most dgens and stuff that play on this stuff they don't fucking understand what how this shit works and what would be a good product but like you know cross-chain compatibility and all of these other things is like the wet dream of like everybody 
but it seems like Link is the closest to getting there. And that includes like, had you had had Chainlink CCIP back then, what you would have done is you would have launched like Luna, like UST would have been launched into the CCIP system. And then what would have happened is any Ethereum chain, like Arbitrum or whoever, who wanted to be able to use any CCIP asset would connect to it. And you'd have like this straightforward uh, conversion of one to the other. Like it's basically a trustless bridge with Link as the universal gas token, and you would be able to jump between them. So like that would have been a way to help this, but even that mm, wouldn't have fully solved it. There were other problems with the UST, but they wouldn't have been solved with you know, just simply data availability or modularity. I, uh, I, no, not exactly. The, okay. but and, and then Zephyr solved the other problem, which is over-collateralization with a proof-of-work asset. So, and it's not algorithmic. So it's like pretty much every other chain that has failed in this regard to create some kind of half-decent algorithmic stable, not algorithmic, but like stable coin that's decentralized. I think Zephyr has clicked more boxes than any project before it so far. Is, so is an algorithmic stable just impossible at this point? Like I'm, I actually till this day don't really even understand why. Algorithmic is not possible. Yes. Yeah. And the reason why it's not is because the moment you export that stable coin to a centralized exchange, you're no longer within the DeFi ecosystem to do the peg mechanism. Does that make sense? Like, so within the Luna UST ecosystem, UST did not depeg. The mint burn mechanism worked perfectly. But the problem is, is let's say you have UST over on uh, Binance and a bunch of it gets sold all at once, then it depegs. You have to rely upon external arbitrage, meaning someone buys the cheap UST, sells it at the full price on, on chain and make that extra money, right? That's what arbitrage is. So it relied upon external arbitrage, and um, that's something that uh, Zephyr with ZSD does not do. There's no algorithmic promise. There's no promise of even keeping the peg for that matter. The peg is something that you know, you, if you know that you can convert Zeph to ZSD in your wallet with the correct exchange rate, then that's the main way that the peg is maintained in that if you find cheap ZSD on, let's say, I don't know, a, trade ogre let's say it was 90 cents and you took a thousand dollars worth of your tether and you bought zsd now you got like 110 dollars worth of zsd and you know that you can exchange it uh, back to zeph in your wallet for the correct amount and so that's how the arbitrage works right so that's the idea um, external arb is how the peg is maintained and if you don't promise anybody that it's stable and that it's like you know it's quasi stable or I consider it quasi-stable because it needs external ARBs. Uh, then, you know, no one's going to cry about it because it was never that stable to begin with, right? And as long as the ZSD is stable within your wallet, meaning between Zeph and ZSD, you're all good. So it solved some of those things for sure. Um, what it did not solve, though, is, and they're solving it now, is it didn't solve their Oracle problem. And this is where Chainlink CCIP is so bullish because what the Zeph team is having to do is using an external Oracle source to to get you the correct price of ZSD into your wallet. That's why when you get your wallet loaded up, you actually see an actual dollar value, not just the number of coins you have, because they actually have an Oracle connecting to price feeds on whatever, probably MEXC or somewhere. And so what they're doing is they're importing that data in. So then when you convert from Zeph to ZSD in your wallet, they're using the Oracle price feed, um, plus or minus some uh, moving average gap to convert your money into the correct amount, right? But even that Oracle is something that they have to like, 
you know, is not particularly decentralized yet. They're working on it. And Chainlink CCIP solves all of that. Plus, it gives you the Oracle network for the price feeds for your ch- various coins. Long story short, like what I've discovered in the land of DeFi is A, Oracles are absolutely necessary. And a high quality Oracle is absolutely necessary. And a decentralized high quality Oracle is necessary to make any of this shit work right. And then on top of that, you need to be able to have assets cross, you know, cross different chains. And you can't give the proper valuation of those assets if there's not an Oracle that connects all of those price feeds and allows you to have a cross-compatible coin that can go to any system. So it's a pretty interesting, um, it's an interesting thing. Like my, like, you know, pitching a chain link is a big deal. I was never a huge chain link person, like really. But after seeing what they have built, I'm like, holy fuck. Like I've been waiting for all this stuff to come out a really long time. Um, And there is definitely like when you have lots of different assets in that CCIP ecosystem, whether it's stables or whatever, you can then like create bot trading platforms and all sorts of other cool stuff that brings a ton of extra um, like transactions to DeFi that were that you could normally otherwise do only in like a centralized exchange. So um, the the Chainlink CCIP basically makes centralized exchanges much less relevant, and it also makes the final user experience a lot easier because you can use Chainlink as a universal gas token in the background for everything. So if you happen to have Ethereum. If you happen to have, I don't know, any any chain connected to CCIP, I think it's like SOM token, sommelier on Cosmos, or you have whatever, it'll convert whatever is necessary to Chainlink in the background and convert to whatever other coin you want in the background. So you could create CCIP-based DEXs, and like a wallet can do amazing cross-chain transactions. And I don't know if you need like a CCIP wallet like that does all this you know, at its core, like maybe MetaMask would accommodate something like that. But basically, you can convert anything to anything on the fly, very similar to how you would currently use like Squid Router or TFM. But even like those become obsolete if CCIP becomes a big thing. In fact, a lot of chain, uh, what's it called, Thorchain's connectivity becomes unnecessary as well. So just be aware of that. Like Chainlink CCIP will not solve the problem of UTXO tokens like BTC to ETH you know, cross, you know, transactions. So there are things that Thorchain does that CCIP would not really change. CCIP is more for like between DeFi chains. So it doesn't fully, uh, uh, you know, eliminate the need for Thorchain, but it does decrease the need for Thorchain to incorporate tons and tons of different smart contract chains because they could actually just cross chain, like transfer DeFi assets using CCIP. But any DEX can do that now, right? Like if you have a DEX, that you know is dealing with like say i don't know cosmos and ethereum or, and what else like maybe a few other chains any of those chains that incorporate ccip can now cross communicate any of their assets um, including nfts that have that their nft standard or metadata so it's and then the ccip system will actually keep track of where all those assets are which chain they're on how many of them there are preventing double spends in other words it's basically like decentralized bridge infrastructure coupled with an Oracle network uh, that functions basically as a layer zero between TradFi and uh, and DeFi. So you can connect anything to anything. So that's their mantra now for Chainlink is every, connect everything to everything is the theory, but pretty cool stuff anyway. But like, yeah, I mean, what's funny, Kareem, is almost any question anyone asks about how can you make such and such system better? I'm like, 
Chainlink just solved that. And that's like, that's why I'm so bullish on it. I'm like, what? Like, you know, some of the things that we like IBC and Cosmos for, for example, have been solved by Chainlink as well. So like, yeah, I do, I do think like all, all Cosmos chains that want like immediate benefits, like whether, like Terra is a perfect example. Terra should incorporate, uh, like Kajira is another example. They should incorporate CCIP absolutely immediately. Why? Because like there's not enough shit to trade on Terra. And as soon as you connect CCIP, you know, whether it's Astroport or any other decks or whatever, everyone will have access to cross-chain assets like gold and, you know, Ethereum or whatever. And it's a CCIP bridged asset. So you don't have to have like a fucking ton of Axelar bridges and all this other shit. So notice this, Kareem. Like once you have this, you don't need like another port for USDC. You'll have Tether, you'll have USDC, you'll have gold. You'll have wrapped Ethereum, but it's not even wrapped. It's CCIP Ethereum, essentially like CCIP native Ethereum. So what ends up happening is, is that you no longer have to have a bunch of different bridge tokens. And you basically will have a canonical version of that coin in every deck. So you know how you go to some decks is like, oh, they have Axelar USD, but they also have Noble USD or whatever. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Why do we have so many liquidity pools with different coins? Um, I hate to say it, but like Noble and Axelar and all that shit are pretty much obsolete with CCIP. Um, so it's but, like, <laughs> that's the situation. Okay, so I mean, shit, like try to make as much on my rune bag and then rotate into Link is, is, the, is the play here, if I'm understanding. No, 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 no. Rotation like, is no, the word no, of the no. day. Rune will, rune will have utility either way. Don't Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that like they're they're obsolete or something by far and away they're not it's one of the rune has a very specific use case particularly trans bridging between bitcoin and other things um what i'm saying is is that the future of thorchain of adding a gajillion other assets becomes less prominent because people will be using this instead so like let's say for example you wanted to go from ethereum to um, sommelier finance, you know, they're connected by CCIP. So you could cross move assets back and forth. No problem. They wouldn't have to, you don't have to add sommelier to Thorchain or something like that because it's not necessary. Does that make sense? Um, so that's kind of the idea behind, um, like, so that's the idea behind what I'm saying is it's not that Thorchain is not useful. It's that it's the future of it is less, you don't need to have so many assets on it anymore. It's mainly becomes a Bitcoin or UTXO bridge, like Doge, Bitcoin, things of that nature. Yeah. Could, could Thorchain incorporate CCIP in, in their own way? Meaning like all yes. the swaps between Ethereum and AVAX or Ethereum and BSC? Yes. Yeah, like yes, absolutely possible. Yep. That's, that's exactly what you could do. And it would actually be potentially more secure um, the, and it could be especially used for new assets. Like, for example, you know, you already have a system at ThorChain for those assets. But let's say some new blockchain comes about and they happen to be CCIC, CCIP compatible. Every other chain that comes out that's compatible, you can now connect, right? So you'd be able to connect directly to Arbitrum and Optimism, which are layer twos on Ethereum. Right now, you can, I think you can only connect to Ethereum base layer on ThorChain, right? So, but if they also wanted to get those assets, they could. So anyway, it's just a, like, I don't know. It just seems inevitable. Like, you know, <laughs> Sergey Navarov, the founder of Chainlink, the other day just tweeted, like, pretty much the word inevitable, like, kind of like the Thanos phrase. And, um, like, once you get to a certain, um, what is it called? Like, 
it's almost like uh, think about like Microsoft operating system or whatever. You know, there came a point where it's like there weren't enough sufficient competitors. And it became inevitable that everyone's going to be on Microsoft for their desktops. Yeah. And that's pretty much what's happening well, with Chainlink. Well, uh, I guess my only other question then is uh, Chainlink is doing interoperability, but isn't... Oh, and by the way, no, I wouldn't rotate into it later. Chainlink's price is good now. Like, like later, that's a whole different ballgame. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, I think it's undervalued now because nobody knows the fuck it is. Okay. If you wait for God knows when, it's like it. You know, I, my tra- trajectory is this thing is going to probably like run back to all time high within like a month or two. Okay. So that's my like expectation approximately. So you know, at that point, I'm going to be less like, oh yeah, go get it now that it's run already. Maybe there'll be other opportunities that are better. I'm saying now it's an acceptable opportunity. So gotcha. don't think about rotating into it later. Yeah, it's not. Okay, okay. By the well, time it pumps. Right. Chainlink leads everything usually. So what'll happen is it'll go up long before everything else does a lot of times. And so what's going to wind up happening is you'll try to rotate into it and you're going to like, it'll go down after that. Like, so don't, yeah. don't do that. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess the other thing is um, Chainlink is, or Chainlink is solving interoperability. Is that, is that like, because the way that I it, see it is I'm not. Yes. I'm, it's got about eight different solutions, privacy, interoperability, verifiable randomness, mm-hmm. automations. It does a lot of like, it's got about eight different functions now that they're working on privacy. Okay. Well, because yeah. I'm yeah. a little bit confused uh, about all of that, um, like all the data availability, Celestia or Eigenlayer, as it compares to Chainlink. Uh, yeah, because you could like connect. You could connect. You can connect all of that to Chainlink also. So, like, Chainlink is not an execution layer, which means you're not running it like you're. You're not running like it's not like you're running a computer on it. And the second thing is it's not a um, it's it's not a data layer. You're not storing a bunch of information there. So you might still have like a file coin connected to it, or you might still have a um, you know you may still have Celestia or whatever. They are working on some execution layers where they basically like yeah they're trying to create basically decentralized world of smart contracts with many many infinite nodal networks. Which means it's not like one blockchain. It's like as many node networks as you want to build, you can create and add to it. Um, and the link token is not a, this is not, it's not a blockchain, remember. Think of Chainlink as just a gigantic set of like decentralized computers to do different tasks. Don't think of it as a blockchain. The coin link happens to be sort of like a, you know, coin on Ethereum or whatever, but, it, you know, it's mostly just a security token. It's going to be, it's going to have some, sec- like, what do you call it, some uh, staking functions with these various nodes and things. So I do think it's going to like have more utility now than it did before, but it's not a blockchain. Don't think of it as such. Um, so uh, it's not in that sense comparable. It is a competitor though to something like Celestia. Why? Because you can connect any computer execution network to this, including Celestia in theory. Yeah, I was gonna. I'm curious if like you can use Chainlink then to get like DeFi liquidity pool data. Instead of like in one integration, instead of having to integrate with like Uniswap independently and then SushiSwap independently, et cetera. Um, wondering if that's like a way to also get all the data you need on chain from one single source. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of where they're going. Like even SushiSwap, I believe, is connected to 
Chainlink. I don't know if they're only using the oracles or they're using the CCIP also. Um, I think it was Oracle only. I well, tried actually, to memorize all that. Something that's interesting too is what does that mean for like pricing providers like CoinMarketCap uh, or CoinGecko? Yep, yep. Because they're kind of cooked if you could just get it all from Chainlink, right? Yes. What you you probably will have dashboards connected to Chainlink and their oracles eventually and be able to see that data in real time. Um, and yeah, like those websites will still exist, but they might also incorporate, you know, some chain link features or something. I'm not sure how it works exactly. Um, I don't think, yeah, I'm not sure where those, where those sites get their price feeds from. They might get them directly from exchanges as well, from their APIs. I'm not hundred percent sure, honestly, like how coin market cap, coin gecko, whatever work. Um, I think some of them just use APIs, but don't know um api meaning like you just connect it to that particular some three or four dexes and now you have price feeds um not yeah i'm not fully sure oh parma came and left <laughs> for a sec she was kind of hanging out for a bit i don't know if she knows anything about crypto i met her in a different space about something else um she, anyway, to, but yeah. she, she we should just crash her space after this she started a new one oh, Oh, she just start one. She might have thought we were just talking, just banter or something. Um, like, didn't realize she was amongst a bunch of crypto dorks. Um, anyway, <laughs> like, because she ha- she's like in neuroscience or something, and was uh, we were talking at some point. Ooh, look at that. Um, Zephyr's got to about nineteen forty one at the moment, and man, it's going to have a beautiful weekly candle. By the way. Like this weekly candle is as big as on the log scale as the one starting out the sort of first impulse move for Zephyr back in October 25th. So um, candle close today is in about, I think, four hours or so. But you'll get a nice pretty weekly candle if it closes anywhere near this price, which I think it will. I don't think there's any obvious imperative to have this thing dumped now. So yeah, a candle of this size usually lead to... a few more days of upward movement. I'm guessing we hit about 25, 26, 27, where the volume and fib resistance levels are. Maybe does a little pullback and then runs from there. Um, my theory with Zephyr was that it would um, be like the 90-day CASPA chart peak to peak and that we might be back to $52 Zephyr by as early as, um, oh, as early as like the 21st of the month, which is, uh, well, 10 days from now. Um, and if you're like, oh, that can't happen. Oh, welcome to crypto. <laughs> These things can happen. Things go up very fast. Um, so yeah, looking very, very pretty. Um, and if it goes past that, I think next step would be to hit the next fib level up, which may, may be like 129, um, or maybe even 207 possibly if it really runs. Um, it's funny in crypto, things will get to 50 million market cap and then they'll jump to 500 million market cap. They won't necessarily like sit in the middle first and then they'll pull back. So impulsive moves are obnoxiously powerful, like movements. Like take, for example, when it broke out at five bucks or something and it goes to 52 bucks, right? Like you would think maybe it should stop on the way up. Why would it go from 10 million, 5 million market cap to 50 million market cap or 10 million market cap to 120, I think it went to a million market cap. Why does it do these things? There's no rationality. It's just basically the illiquid supply and like, you know, illiquid um, uh, exchanges. And what you have is this ridiculous pumps. So um, 
yeah, I think uh, it'd be very nice to see um, Zephyr hit like 207 and maybe even 420 if it really just just absolutely rips. I'm not so sure. Um, but there's no way to tell because the hype will start as the price goes up. And as the hype goes up, you have no idea how many new people are going to arrive. So drawing lines on charts is not necessarily solved for that. Um, you don't know how many YouTube videos will be created, how many Twitter, Twitter spaces will go on, how many tweets will happen, all that shit, right? It's all random. Virality can't be predicted, but you know the pump is coming at some point. And um, what I think I'm going to do with it is I'm debating like at that 129 to 207 level, I probably will just start swapping into some ZSD um, maybe along the way. And what I can do then is like swap back to Zephyr on some dips, um, possibly. I'm not sure. We'll see what the, tra uh, the the trade executions look like on that as far as swaps. But um, I'll see how it goes. Hey, Zen, what are you up to? I need to find a tall man with a big watch that will uh let my girl interview them i'm gonna pin it tall man with a big watch i know there's a bunch of them in here yep uh madman are you pretty tall need a tall man with a big watch i'm two foot six i do not have a big watch there's no way that you are not a tall man with a big watch i'm sorry i just don't believe you every single one of you in here is tall man big watch vibes i don't have a watch i use my phone you don't post your you don't post your your watch on the timeline jason's thumbsing up jason can you let this girl interview you all right that's all i had to say yeah i'm not a big watch guy either so i'm short and i have no watch it's probably a problem <laughs> damn this is, <laughs> this is not what i'm looking for yeah uh what does she want to be interviewed about um, I'm guessing she just wants to, cause there's a lot, lot of tall men on with big watches. So I'm assuming that she just wants to ask them questions like, where are you coming from? Uh, what organization do you it's belong such a unique to? Demographic. Huh? So she wants to practice interviewing them or she wants to be in practice being interviewed. No, she wants to interview them. She, she does a podcast. Oh. Apparently it does okay. pretty well. Yeah. But what is the tall men big watches angle? It's just like that's one you show or that's the I'm whole show. There's so she does many show. guys. No, no, no. Uh -huh. She's just looking. She does a podcast where she interviews people and she's trying to get the tall men with big watches, which I'm, you For know what I'm talking about. this particular interview or is that, what I'm saying is, is that this particular interview or is that her stick for like all her interviews? No, that, no, it, she just does a podcast where she interviews people like scientists and blah, blah, and how she wants to interview one of the tall men okay. with big watches. Yeah. I see. Okay. Interesting. Tall men, big watches. All right. So it's like a YouTube channel or something? No, I think it's on Spotify. Oh, okay. Podcast. Got it. I think she's in the top. What is she? Top 10%. Or top one percent, or something, of podcasts on Spotify. Oh no, shit! Just pretty popular, huh? I guess. I I think I read that somewhere, but I don't know. I'm going. I'm going to. She's going to interview me. Really? What are you going to What are you going to tell her? I think I'm going to make up some bullshit and be like, I'm. 
I think I'm gonna say that I was abducted by aliens. I don't know. I mean, so straight up, straight up LARPing, like legit LARPing. Yeah, I think I'm gonna LARP because I mean I'm not that interesting, so I don't. She seems to think you know, but it would be way more interesting if aliens are involved. I think. Like maybe talk about how you're designing cybernetic implants for your dogs or something. Something That's crazy. A good idea. You know, like, and then she's gonna be like, why? And you're like, because they don't run fast enough or something. You know, and then she's like, wait, what? Like, you're gonna modify your dogs to run faster? Like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, I throw the ball and the, my damn dog can't, you know, catch it because she's what, you know, what, you know, like, come up with something crazy. Because they don't run fast enough. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, duh. Maybe a countermeasure for doggy arthritis. It'll be like, like no duh, like or something. <laughs> like, like why, why wouldn't I do this? You know, and she's like, doesn't that seem cruel or something? And you're like, no. You know, have you I seen want them Iron to Man? Run really fast. Yeah, like haven't you seen Iron Man or something? You know, like I want, like I want to do like the movies. <laughs> I've gone through ten dogs already, but I'll, I'll get it with this next one. Damn, is that too much? <laughs> I just... Probably. Okay. Probably. Yeah, I mean, you can't giggle while you do it. You know, it's got to be really serious. No, I, I'm good at that. Yeah. So the, her her interview is like, so they're interviewing serious people. This is like a Lex Friedman thing, or what? Like, um, I think she just started. I think there's like only four. I listened to some of them, and they did sound serious, but she's very, she's. I like her. She's not, she's not, I mean, she is serious, but she's, I don't know, you just have to, I don't know how to explain her. She's one of the, I don't, this is either going to make sense or not, but there's like a post-ironic humor thing in New York that I've noticed. She's got that vibe, but she's not from ironic so not sarcastic, but something like postmodern ironic humor is what i call them they're like this type of people in new york that postmodern ironic so like they make fun of like your various like tech addiction foibles and shit like that or what like i'm not sure i there's get it like a group of people or there's a vibe this is just something i've noticed so i don't know if the other if you guys have noticed this but there's like a certain type of person or like a community of people in New York that are like separated from the madness. They're almost like, they strike me as um, Albert Camus enthusiasts where they're like very intelligent, but they seem a little bit separated from everything going on. I don't know how to explain. She, she gives a vibe of, I don't know. She's interesting. I don't know how to explain her. She's not like making fun of people. She she's just it's not it's not humorous. No, kind of. I mean, I think the tall man with with big watches thing is quite humorous because there is a Zerg rush of those. Lots of tall men with big watches. I'll follow her and then check out her content later. I have a minute. We'll see, we'll see what we learn from her. You should pretend to be a tall man with a big watch and then 
and then psych her out. Hmm. Okay. You have to go. <laughs> you have to go to her her house, though. You have to take a flight. Oh, th- this is like a, a live thing. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, like as far as the internet's concerned, I usually stay pretty much anon for all the usual reasons. Unfortunate. Anyway, um, we've been chatting a bit. I need to go make some lunch for the family, so I'm going to jump off anyway. Um, I'll catch you next time, Zen. You kind of came in kind of late on late late in the process here. <laughs> but hopefully, everyone had fun. All right, catch you later. Enjoy the lunch, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Seth. Hey, guys. Ten Spaces.